Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on YouTube and later heard around the world. Oh, it's true. Joining me tonight on this very, very special edition of the Michael Deacon program is Mr. Lee Austin. He is the author of the book, Morning Stars Tell. Mr. Austin is an American broadcaster known for his alternative talk show, Outcast Radio. Lee found his calling in radio for over 30 years and has traveled the country pursuing his dreams. And of course, he is a veteran of the program. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, on the second half, the professor has returned. He will be here on the second half, back by popular demand. Dr. James Fetzer will be here. Don't worry. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Thank you to those in America for supporting the program and also those outside of America. Love that very much. And of course, thank you to those who wished me well. However, I'm not in Northern California where there was all sorts of damage taking place. And of course, yes, Southern California also was on fire for a bit there. But I'm too far away for any of that to really make any sort of impact here, to be honest with you. Now, without further ado, let's bring in the first guest. Lee, are you alive? Hang on, let me check. Yes, I am alive. I'm glad you are alive and well, my friend. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me back. Always enjoy the conversation, Michael. Isn't it fun? It is. We go down a few unusual rabbit holes that I think other folks steer clear of. I believe so. And of course, you are always up to take phone calls if we do have them, right? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Don't just sit back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, behind your keyboards or mobile devices. Put them to use. You could call in anytime you'd like. That number is 760-332-8724. Don't be afraid to call in. That number is 760-332-8724. Now, once again, Lee, I must say it's always an honor and pleasure to have you here. I love doing this show. Because I never know where it's going to go. It's always spontaneous and it's always different. I don't either. what I like. I don't don't know where I'm going to go with it either, to be honest. I take notes, but again, as soon as I get on here, I feel a certain way and I just let go. Wherever you want to go, my friend, I'm strapped in. Yes, sir. Well, again, welcome back to the program, Mr. Austin. And it's been fun the first time I've had you on here. And of course, you are the author of the book. Morning Stars Tell. I thought you could tell us a little bit about the book before we start traveling onward. It is narrated by Lucifer. Of course, I wrote the book, but Lucifer narrates it. And just to read from the back cover, it is presented with a mixture of hubris and disdain for the reader. The light bearer, another name for Lucifer and Morning Star, pulls back the dimensional veil, disclosing the secrets of Flat Earth, his occultic kingdom, the multiverse, and other controversial subjects. Essentially, when I started to write the book, it turned into initially a Flat Earth book, but then I got into Kabbalah, CERN, numerology, and I knew the subject matter was so divisive 
and unconventional that I needed a character who was disliked yet had an element of curiosity about him, didn't care, had a lot of hubris, disdain for the listener and pride. And I couldn't think of a better person to narrate this book than the fallen angel known as Lucifer. So he narrates the book. Is what all of the secrets of the universe are, and he does it because he knows you're not going to believe him, and he wants you to not believe him. So contrary to the nature that is the father of lies, Lucifer tells the truth. And again, the book is called Morning Star's Tale, T-A-L-E, available at Amazon, Barnes Noble, and Walmart. They only knew what they were selling. <laughs> Oh, yes. I finally had a chance to actually read the entire thing, and I thought it was very well done. Well, thank you. I was looking at the book. I don't look at it that often before I got on the air, and my head was spinning even now. It's only 80 pages long, but it's filled with meat. Just think of it as slices of meat and um, read it slow. Yes, and you identify yourself as a Christian, correct? That is correct. And writing the book was an arduous task because as a Christian, I'm trying to assume the role of Lucifer while being open to the revelations of the Ancient of Days. So I've got these two spiritual forces dancing in my head for about eight months, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an enjoyable experience, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It was unbelievable. I picked up a few books on the occult. I read the Book of Enoch, The Secret of the Books of Enoch, Jubilees. I uh, reread parts of the Bible, put them all on a coffee table, uh, stuck them all together and wrote this short novella. And sometimes when I read it, I'm wondering where some of the stuff came from because it doesn't sound like something I would do. That's very, very interesting. Perhaps you were tapping into something when you wrote this book. Oh, I was tapping. (laughs) There's there's a couple of parts of this book that doesn't even have to do with Flat Earth, specifically the the chapter that deals with DNA, RNA, dark matter, hyperdimensional portals, uh, the concept that Adam and Eve were actually trans-dimensional beings able to transverse all ten dimensions. Before I started this research, I only believed there were three heavens. When I finished, I now believe that there are, in fact, at least 10 heavens, and I'm a proponent of string theory. So many of the um, secular theories are lining up with the spiritual that I encountered while doing this research. And again, a lot that's in this book are beliefs that I've acquired over the last three years. So it's been a, 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 a revolution in, in my theology, and it has really rocked my boat. So I, I do understand when people read the book, it's going to really knock them off balance if they take it serious. Well, that's one thing I did want to ask you in terms of how you would bring up your book to other Christians out there, especially those who, I guess they don't view the book of Enoch the same way you do. I'm sure you understand what I'm telling you. What's ironic is the biggest pushback I'm getting, I knew I would get it from the scientific astrophysic community. Absolutely. But, yeah. but the Christian community is deeply divided. And I would say probably 
85, 90% of Christians I encounter think I'm a Looney Tune. But ironically, and again, I live on the space coast of Florida right next to NASA. I was living in Austin and I was going to this very unusual home church where everyone is out there. Instead of uh, reading passages from the Bible, we would get together and talk about chemtrails and how it ties into the New World Order. So when I went back to Austin this uh, summer, I had a chance to tell them about the book, and and I was very apprehensive because I said to the woman who runs the home church, I said, so it's a book narrated by Lucifer where he reveals the flat earth, and I waited for her reaction, and she just looked at me and said, and this woman's 87 years old, she said to me, yeah, uh, of course the earth is flat, and then a 12-year-old kid standing next to her said, yeah, of course it's flat, and then I realized I was back home. And and those are the people I gravitate towards. I got a an email today from a, a gentleman at Stanford University who just got my email. I sent him the book, and he's intrigued. So what I'm finding is that the people that really gravitate to the book are millennials, Generation Z, Generation Y, those that grew up with the Internet and distrust the government and distrust everything they hear and want to do their own investigative work. And I'm really gravitating towards younger people and some my age who are open to it. But I'm finding that for the most part, baby boomers have closed the door on flat earth and I'm going after the young people. They're the ones that are open to it. So the millennials are my demographic. Interesting. Very interesting. And of course, I was actually referring to those, uh, well, the, the Christians who say the book of Enoch is, is non-canonical. And I'm having an issue with that. I, I believe as a Christian, the Bible is the word of God. However, I'm learning that around the year 500 AD, the book of Enoch, which was apparently in the canon, was taken out for Genesis chapter 6, which talks about the Nephilim. And when I read the book of Enoch and I read the book, The Secrets of Enoch, it lines up 100% with Scripture. And what it, what those books do, it goes into great detail about why the Ancient of Days flooded the earth. And the reason is because the systemic DNA of man had been corrupted. There were many chimeras. There were many hybrids. As a matter of fact, the entire flat earth, according to the book of Enoch, was corrupted except for Noah and his family. And that's the reason they were saved in the ark is because they were the only family whose DNA was not corrupted with the dark angelic DNA when they had sex with the women and created this race of hybrids. Yes, interesting. Now, just to go back in time here, my friend. Now, at one point in your life, you had sort of turned your back to religion. Is that correct? I became a Christian when I was 21 in LA. And by the time I was 36, I was a full blown alcoholic. And came back to God and over a period of time went through multiple sessions of deliverance, became involved in deliverance ministry, and have come back to God. And so I am an example of the prodigal son. Very, very interesting. And what exactly was it for you that made you go back uh, to religion after, I guess, going down the proverbial dark path. I remember I was in Fort Myers. I was 36, and my dad, who had been in the program 
of AA for 24 years before he died. He bailed me out of jail. And when he picked me up, he just looked at me and he simply said, son, maybe you should try AA. And I had thought all along that all the problems I was experiencing in my life were due to circumstances beyond my control. I had gone into that victim mentality. And it was as if a light went off and I thought for the first time, perhaps alcohol has something to do with all the problems I'm having, including getting arrested. Fast forward, I've been sober now for 26 years, but from that moment I decided to join AA, I came back to God slowly. And over a period of time, I got involved in a uh, church uh, in Brownsville, Texas, then a couple of home churches. But I've always had a hard time with organized religion and churches per se. I've always felt more comfortable in a home church environment, uh, in a one-on-one environment, kind of like what you and I are doing, Michael, just having a conversation. I I don't do well. I've been told this my whole life. I don't play well with others. With others, right. Yeah. And and I do really well one-on-one or, you know, speaking to your audience or speaking with your audience. I just... I'm not it. I'm not, I don't like organized religion. I don't fit in. I'm still an oddball. Understood. And you said you got arrested. Can you tell us a little bit about that? If if you don't mind, I think that's oh sure very interesting. Um, at the time, uh, let's see. My wife and I had separated, and she invited me back. And I may have uh, uh, had a few drinks. I didn't realize there was a restraining order on me. And so she called the police and they took me to jail for the night. And that was it. Did she drug you? No, no, no. You As a matter of fact, we, you we weren't got a back victim together. Of a- Oh, we you got, got back together. together. This was six years into the marriage. And 14 years later, she divorced me because she said, I liked it better when you drank. Oh, my goodness. But that makes sense because she married an alcoholic. And all ah, of a sudden, okay. the crazy guy had left town. And now this other guy who's talking about the Bible and and uh, end times and book of Revelation and what God's doing and chemtrails and the dome. You know, this guy, I, I don't know this guy. I don't want to be around this guy. So on one level, I really don't blame her for doing what she did because the real me came out and the guy she married was not the real me. Very, very interesting. I'm sure that must have been a tough time for you. And well, was it actually a tough time for you or was it more liberating? It was an incredibly hard time. But here's what happened. It launched my career into eschatology. I was living in my lake house in Lake Livingston, about 70 miles north of Houston. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go crazy if I don't do something. What's the only thing I've ever enjoyed? And as you know, Michael, I've done radio for 30 years like you. I've been in broadcasting forever. You've been in the game. I've been in the game. So I found out there was one 50,000-watt country radio station in town. So I drove down to the station. I pulled over to a gas station and said the following prayer. I said, God, if you don't give me this job, I'm getting the hell out of this town, and I'm going to go do something else. But if you want me to do radio, you're going to give me a job, and I'm going to run this place. So I walked into the station, told them who I was. They hired me on the spot. Went through a lot of drama for about a year. A new owner bought the station, made me the program director, and I started doing what is now known as Outcast Radio. And it was a mixture of rock and roll and the book of Revelation. I would have guys like Jonathan Kahn on, and I would follow it with Led Zeppelin. It was a very strange period of time. So from 2007 to 2000. 
2013, I worked at that radio station. Then I ended up in Austin, ended up working for Republic Broadcasting Network, doing a national show, started talking about Flat Earth, got fired after two years with that network, and then I wrote the book, Morning Star's Tale. And now here we are. Now here we are trying to figure out which rabbit hole to jump into next. Yes, sir. And of course, you wrote this book from Lucifer's perspective. Is that correct? That is correct. The entire book is a narration from the point of view of Lucifer. And it begins in the beginning with Lucifer explaining that the earth has been around a lot longer than you may think. And that, in fact, the earth was his and it was only deeded to man after his fall from heaven. But once man fell in the garden, then it was deeded back to Lucifer. And so he explains the history of himself and his angels to man. And the first chapter opens up with a quote from Francis Bacon, which says, quote, the desire of power and excess caused the angels to fall. The desire of knowledge and excess caused man to fall. So essentially what Lucifer does is he pulls back the dimensional veil that separates man from himself and proceeds to explain what the earth looks like, how the sun works, how everything works in the flat earth model. And then he goes on to go even deeper down the rabbit hole. He explains how man is built, the difference between RNA, DNA. He then moves into CERN, the Nephilim, numerology, Kabbalah, alchemy, numerology, and then wraps it all up with what his end game is. So essentially, think of it as a football game, and the coach is giving you his playbook for now, the other team. Now, Lee, what if Lucifer wasn't such a bad guy? That is what those who follow Lucifer believe. They actually believe Lucifer, who's also known as a morning star or the light bearer, was trying to free man from what is called the demiurge. Uh, it's the idea of duality, that Lucifer and God are equal, and that Lucifer came into the Garden of Eden to give man knowledge so he could be enlightened. And it was the tyrannical demiurge, the Ancient of Days, which threw man out of the Garden and condemned Lucifer. And so those that follow Lucifer believe he is the light bringer and that all he tried to do was enlighten man. And for that, he has been forever expelled from heaven. It sounds and like he it tried to do was it, bond with man. Yeah, it sounds like it to me. Some would consider Lucifer to be the first humanist. That's exactly it. And boy, did you just take that line out of Devil's Advocate, <laughs> which is one of the best movies I've ever seen about Lucifer. I, I don't That's understand, great... though. I mean, Lucifer doesn't sound like such a bad guy. He was just trying to help the other humans. You know, he was doing a good thing. And then look what happened. It makes me realize that no good deed goes unpunished. Well, you have to go back even further because it wasn't Lucifer's falling out with God in the garden. It was Lucifer's falling out with God in heaven. So you have, uh, you know, as a Christian, I look at the opposite of Lucifer as Michael. There, there's an archangel. That's right. Dichotomy there. So you have Lucifer who's in heaven, who is the uh, archangel of music and praise. And according to the story in Isaiah, one day Lucifer gets a thought in his mind that he would like to ascend and be God. And I don't know how to explain it. I'm only human. I'm only an image. But when angels have a falling out with the Ancient of Days, there is no second chance. As a Christian, you know, we have a mediator. 
But when Lucifer fell from heaven and when the 200 watcher angels fell, they were not given a second chance. And the book of Enoch is so essential to understand this because in the book of Enoch, he is given a petition from the 200 watcher angels to plead with the Ancient of Days for reconciliation. And the Ancient of Days tells Enoch to tell the angels that the angels should be praying for Enoch and Enoch should not be praying for the angels. And you will receive no recompense. You will see, you will receive not a second chance. And so the angels that rebelled against the Ancient of Days were never given a second chance, whereas man who was made in God's image, unlike Lucifer, was given a second chance. In regards to Satan, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but in regards to Satan, Lee, what are some of the characteristics that you view Satan to have? Charisma, arrogance, many of the attributes that we humans have, but... Isn't that interesting? Well, well, well beyond. I, I, I'll pull the veil back as we continue to do this. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, I've been through deliverance and I've done deliverance ministry. So I've, I've had experience firsthand with demons and the expelling of them. And I can tell you from experience, and this isn't from reading, from experience, that demons are persons without bodies. You've done and exorcisms, what, by the way, Lee? I'm sorry. Yes, I have. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was participating in one about three weeks ago. Amazing. Yeah, and it was dramatic. I learned a lot from uh, a couple of books, one called Pigs in the Parlor by Ida Mae Hammond and another from uh, Derek Prince. And what Derek Prince said, and this is a key, is that demons are persons without bodies. Now, if you take that statement and you go back into Genesis chapter six and you put that next to the book of Enoch, what Enoch says is that when the flood occurred, the Nephilim did not have judgment rendered against them. In other words, their bodies died in the flood, but it says their spirits live on as terrestrial spirits. And by terrestrial spirits, they mean here on the earth. So according to the book of Enoch, demons are the terrestrial spirits, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. And he also goes into great detail how 90% of them, according to Enoch, are in hell 10% are here on the earth, but a demon is in fact a disembodied spirit. It is a person and it longs to inhabit a human body. And second, it longs to inhabit an animal if it can't inhabit a human. But fallen angels are different from demons in that they have a body already and they don't crave human occupancy. Very, very interesting. And just when I was talking about this, I got blasted with a few emails right away talking about Lucifer. And now I'm being questioned why, uh, why I even brought that up. But I thought, why not play devil's advocate here as we're doing here, right? I'm trying to make an argument that Satan or Lucifer isn't exactly as bad as most people are, are led to believe. Uh, what if I told you a lot of the characteristics attributed to a Satan are not even actually mentioned in the Old or New uh, Testament, to be honest with you? He's not even referenced there. 
Well, first of all, the idea of you playing devil's advocate makes it a much more entertaining show. Isn't that to have funny? An, to have an amen corner is boring radio. It so really is. It I'm really glad, is. I'm it's glad you're bringing this up, Michael. <laughs> I really am. That's a really good question. To differentiate between Lucifer and Satan, we really don't know. And, and again, by we, I mean by research in the Bible and extra biblical texts, we don't really know a lot about Satan. However, we do know a lot about Lucifer, that he was an archangel that he is also known as the light bearer, and that according to him, Lucifer, he came down to free man from the Ancient of Days, which seems like a noble endeavor on the surface. It really does. It really does. And by the way, before I forget, there was another question here from someone in the chat room, and I completely missed it. I just had it here, and now it's gone. And now I stopped the whole show because of it. I'm, oh, there it is. Never mind. That That's actually from Brooke in the chat room. She says, ask him what he thinks about demons and sleep paralysis, and if those are real. Yes, yes. I can recall once or twice experiencing it myself. It is true. Uh, there's a couple of demons specifically named for that. Incubus and I think it's Succubus. I think, but definitely Incubus. You know, you're familiar with the band Incubus, right? Correct. Okay. That is named after a demon that comes to people in their sleep and has sex with them. Many, many people have experienced uh, demonic sex in their sleep, but won't talk about it. But don't you think that's like a positive thing? Some people don't get laid very much, and that, that could probably <laughs> be the most action they've seen in a while. Yeah, there's a difference between <laughs> devil's advocate and what you just said, Michael. <laughs> I suppose on a very uh, uh, fleshy uh, level, yeah, I think you got a good point. If you can't get laid, well, there you go. I mean, well, it only helps, right? <laughs> I, But it's real. At least I, I believe, you know, of course, everything being said is your belief and my belief. But I do believe that demons will manifest themselves and uh, in your body and have sex with you. I have, I have heard many people talk about that when they have these very vivid dreams. They claim to have a lot of sex. I can tell you two instances specifically where I had demons cast out of me once was a spirit of asthma. And the, the gentleman was, was praying for me. He said, um, I, I, what God is telling me is that until you forgive your father, this can't be done. Ooh. And I said, well, that's going to be kind of hard. He's dead. He's gone. Yeah. And he said, well, do it anyway. Just say it out loud. So I did it. And then he prayed for me. And I remember immediately bending over and retching and, and this stuff coming out of me and it wasn't puke it was phlegm and from that moment on it had left me now another time it wasn't a white liquid right like a transparent it, liquid uh have you heard the term ectoplasm yeah but i was referring to another sort of liquid that comes out uh it was kind of a, a okay, mix good. of that oh white, my goodness green. yeah yeah Oof. And then another time I was at a church in Brownsville and the pastor's uh, brother who had cerebral palsy, the guy was only like five foot tall, came up to me and put his hand on my chest. And I remember going down like a sack of potatoes and then getting up like a wet blanket had been lifted off me. And there was nothing dramatic. There wasn't any phlegm or anything. But I remember intuitively knowing that a spirit of depression had just come out of me. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. Huh. And 
you know, I've had other instances where I've had prayer. And in the last five years, off and on, mostly off, I've I've done deliverance work with folks. And it's real. Uh, the one thing, you know, writing this book has done for me is just confirm what I've been experiencing for the last five or six years is that the spiritual world is more real and in many ways more tangible than this prison, this uh, first heaven of the third dimension, as I like to call it. The prison under, planet. Under the dome. Well, I'm not going to go Alex Jones on you, but yeah, it is definitely uh, first dimension, uh, a third dimension <laughs> of the first heaven. I like that you picked up that reference, by the way. Oh, yeah, I'll pick, I'll pick that stuff up quick. <laughs> I love that, by the way, because that's exactly who I was referring to. Uh, one Alex Jones, uh, I have... I have one of his former associates and employees who comes on the show pretty regularly now. Um, What's his name? Uh, Leo Zagami. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. He's yeah. always here. He's a good. He's a good guy. Very entertaining. My audience seems to yeah, love him. He, he doesn't go down the rabbit hole. He lives there. That's where his residence is. He really does, doesn't he? He's a good guy. Yeah, he is. By the way, if I recall correctly, I was sent some sort of article, and. Uh, about some sort of black goo, an article that you'd made. I think it was yeah, earlier I wrote this month. One, uh, about a week ago for before it's news, and I know you um, also do the same. It was an article about uh, this pop star named Billie Alish. I think it's Alish. And she's the hottest pop star on the planet. Her uh, videos on YouTube get... Oh, you mean uh, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. There you go. Right. Jeez, I sound old. Yeah, Billie Eilish. I should know. I wrote the article. In the uh, in the article, I talk about her, uh, her a couple of her videos, one of which has her crying black goo, and the other one uh, taking on the persona of Lucifer falling from heaven... That song is called All Good Girls Go to Hell. And somewhere down the road, I have the impression that a deal was made because she is a phenom. She was just at uh, South by Southwest in Austin. I'm a little suspicious in terms of this woman or, or girl, rather. I think she's like underage or something, right? She's 17. Yeah, she's 17. I, I always feel a little bit weird when someone, uh, for anything, music or political gain, anytime I see kids being thrown up there so quickly, I, I always feel a little bit odd about that. What's interesting about her in this song, All Good Girls Go to Hell, I've watched the video a few times. It starts off with Lucifer literally falling from heaven into a puddle of oil. And she says in the description that it's actually an anti-conglomerate video. In other words, it's all about the environment and climate change and all of that. But if you just watch the video, Lucifer falls from heaven, hits this puddle, and is covered with black goo. And during the three and a half minutes of the video, she sings, My Lucifer is Lonely. And it's almost an homage to Lucifer. And in the background, you see go-go dancers dancing in the flames. And they're not suffering. They're just dancing and seeming to enjoy it. You take that video with her other one, where it just is a close-up of her face, where she sits in front of a white pedestal and drinks a glass of black liquid, which I say is symbolic of black goo. 
She swallows it, and then black goo starts coming out of her tear ducts. And at the end of the video, the camera pans down to the floor, and all you see is this massive puddle of black goo where she essentially transforms into this sentient goo material. And in the book, my book, uh, Morningstar's Tale, I talk about black goo being a sentient substance that is found in the bowels of hell. Very, very interesting. And why do you think so many other artists do sort of, they they make these sort of videos that are kind of like this very, uh, th this sort of theme rather, I should say. Some of them are in the occult. Some of them are not, but make a deal. I'll give you a, probably one of the most infamous examples that's overlooked. David Bowie, before he died, he did a video called Black Star. And in that video, he sings, there's a candle in Ormond. And it, start, it starts off with a shot of this candle being lit. And it says, in the city of Ormond. Ormond means serpent. It's another word for serpent. In the video, you see Major Tom being resurrected to Saturn. And as the video goes on, which is about 10 minutes long, there is actually a ceremony where women form a circle because they are the ones that give life. And... There is a conjuring, and it all ties into Black Star, which is another word for Saturn, which is another word for Satan, which is the planet that occultists worship. And there are those that believe that David Bowie was in the occult, a follower of Al, uh, uh, Crowley. It's possible. You never know, if, right? If, if you watch the video, it's astounding. When you really begin to take it apart, he knew he was going to die. And so it was his final work before he moved on. Interesting. And what do you think about Elton John recently going after Michael Jackson, calling him a mentally ill and disturbing person? I really don't have any opinion on that. What do you think? I think it's interesting as well. I, I know I'm, I'm using the word interesting a lot because I think it's kind of funny. I've been saying it nonstop here for those that are taking shots tonight. Uh, they are getting quite drunk here. But yes, Owen John, he recently went on to say that Michael Jackson was a very disturbing person plagued with mental illness during his final years of life. That's what he told Radar Online uh, recently. And to be honest with you, I don't think Alan John is lying. He's not he's not someone that I feel lies. He he really throws himself out there, as you could tell. As you can clearly tell, throws himself out there. He's not afraid of anything, as you can clearly tell. In the last year or two of Michael Jackson's life, it, it was uh overtly uh obvious that he was completely delusional. And ultimately died, what was it, fentanyl by his doctor. I, I, you know, all the signs are there. All the signs are there. And, you know, you'll know them by their works. Uh, I, I think what happens sometimes if you have a lot of money and power, and I can't think of any president like that, uh, you are allowed to get away with a lot more than the regular Joe in the street. Apparently they had lunch together, by the way, Lee. An alarming lunch is what it says here in the article. <laughs> And John recalled Jackson disappearing from the table without a word, it says here, and he was later found inside of a cottage of John's housekeeper, quietly playing games with her 11-year-old son. Doesn't surprise me. That is very, very strange. And 
It if says you go here. back into go his ahead. history, Joe, his father, and Joe again, Jackson. this is all allegedly, allegedly abused Michael, beat him, and even made fun of his face, said his nose was too wide. And allegedly, that was part of the reason why Michael Jackson had all of that surgery. And so over the years, I think a lot of his childhood issues had never been resolved. And this is what you get. So in many ways, maybe it was generational, some sort of generational curse that was passed down allegedly from Joe to Michael. Oh, Joe Jackson definitely whipped his ass. No doubt. Yeah. 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 He whipped him pretty badly. And I'm sure he mentally and physically abused him. It's kind of well known. And as well as Latoya Jackson, another another family member who has gone on re- on the record saying all sorts of disparaging things about one Michael Jackson as well. I'm sure she was put on for the money, of course. However, again, I don't think she was lying about the things she said. No, I don't think she was either. I think both of them in many ways were trying to recapture a childhood they never had. And if you go back in time with the, you know, with the Jackson 5, Michael Jackson was 10, 11, 12 years old when they hit it big. And so he never had a childhood. That's true. And so in many in many ways, I think with Neverland, that's what he was trying to recapture. But also there was this overriding, and I'll just call it spirit of homosexuality and obviously with younger individuals. So you know, and Elton John is gay, and it's not that he's passing judgment on Michael. It's just that Michael chose the demographic that is taboo. Wild stuff. So you definitely are on board with the allegations that were made against one Michael Jackson throughout the years, correct? I, If I had to choose, yeah, obviously. I would have to say so, too. I would also have to say I would never leave my uh, kids alone with him or any other adult, for that matter. And how long has it been? It's been 10 years since he died. I think he died when he was 50. Something like that. Yeah, I think I think he died when he was about 50 years old back. And uh, I think it was on June 25th, 2009, if I recall. And it's interesting how it parallels not the uh, uh, children, but with Prince, uh, this whole Illuminati connection. There was an interview with Prince prior to his death. Um, where he was talking about chemtrails. And Prince was extremely intelligent and I think knew what was going on behind the curtain, but again, succumbed to his own addiction and died in a similar way to Jackson, an overdose on fentanyl. Very true. And before we move on from these legendary musicians, I, I did want to ask you, what kind of music do you listen to, Lee? I'm AOR all over the road. Uh, Uh, Today, I was listening to Nigel Stanford. He's an innovative, cutting edge. He's the one that does, uh, he did uh, somatics, talking about sound creating music and music creating substance. I also listened to, um, (laughs) I'm all over the place, Tom Petty. I'll listen to Guns N' Roses. I'll listen to Bach. I'll listen to Concertos. I listen to everything. What do you like? I like I like everything, really, except um, some country out there. I don't really like at all. I think the new country is anything but country. It's more pop. Anything that say, has Taylor Swift's name on it. Yeah, I'll you know, country is a little bit, a little bit odd nowadays, especially when, you know, I randomly hear the radio when I'm driving around and... 
once in a while, I'll come across some sort of a country station, and all of a sudden, I hear this guy singing, and it sounds kind of like a rap song all of a sudden. Well, not only that, not that I dislike. There's a, there's I, a formula to it. I, I don't and, dislike. And the, it's just boring, predictable. Yeah. Three minutes and fifty seconds. It's just it's the same old, same old. I don't dislike rap, is what I was trying to say. But when I hear, uh, you know, country musician musicians trying to sort of structure their music sort of like that and kind of use the same sort of uh, formula, I, I just can't help but think, what is this? This is so uh, hacky. Who listens to this shit? I literally spend my free time listening to podcasts. That Smart is man. my genre of music. I just love listening to podcasts. Well, I don't fault you for that. Uh, music is not uh, so great these days, to be honest. No, not at all. Yeah, I'm afraid so. And that, that reminds me, I even saw Green Day, a band from the past. Uh, they recently came on the Howard Stern Show, which you could watch for free. And my God, they played one song on there and it was just, it, it stunk on ice, to be honest with you. I saw a video the other day of Robert Robert Smith of The Cure in concert. Nice. Okay. Not really. He put on about 50 pounds and he looked more like an elderly grandmother than uh, someone who's morose. Did he have, did he have makeup smeared all over his face? <laughs> yeah, the makeup, he had the makeup. <laughs> it just doesn't work when you're 60. When it, you're 60. Yeah back away from the makeup and when you put on 50 pounds it doesn't help do you think he's sober no i was gonna say I don't, I, don't, I don't think that dude's i mean if sober. i had a guess if you held a gun to my head i'd say no but yeah you know, who knows well it's a safe bet i don't think he's sober to, to be honest poor guy yeah brooke in the chat room says poor smith i agree yeah it's hard to be depressed when you're 60 at least putting on that facade i mean all that all those extra pounds and the makeup, it's just not a good look. I would just think of all the dark shit that guy was into. Yeah, Disintegration still was one of my favorite albums. I love him, though. He's a great musician, but I'm sure he's done terrible things, just like everyone else on Earth. All of us. You know, that's why I always say I don't believe in karma. And if, if you know, if karma did exist, the Earth wouldn't exist. Let's segue into the next one. What do you think, Michael? Have you gone flat yet? I haven't, to be honest with you. I, I haven't gone full flat. It's very interesting. But, you know, when you hear so many different counter arguments and then, uh, you know, doing the show, it's really hard to discern some things here. Well, but I can't I, say I'm not fully on. Well, I, can, I can't say I'm not fully on board yet. I think the idea of arguing about it, talking about curvature, people's eyes glaze. And this is a great night to talk about it because we've got a full moon. Coming up tomorrow. As a matter of fact, it's pretty much full right now. And if the listener will peek their head out the door, you'll see the moon if it's, there's no clouds in the sky. And I really believe by studying the moon, you can actually see that they're lying. And if they're lying about the moon, are they in fact lying about the flat earth? I'll give you an example. They say, and this is the heliocentric model, they say the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. And yet the sun is 400 times further away from the moon, and that's why the moon and the sun appear to be the same size. Does that seem like a reasonable thesis to you? Yes and no. Explain. Well, for many reasons. But first of all, I, when you were saying that right now, I, I couldn't help but feel the need to say, do you believe the earth or the earth? The moon is a hologram. Do you believe in no. that theory? No, I believe it's a light. In the Bible, it says it's a light. In the book of Enoch, it just pulls the lid back. 
It says in the book of Enoch that the moon and the sun are the same size and that the sun pours its light into the moon over a 14-day period. It's then full, and then over the next 14 days, it loses one-fourteenth of its light. And if you'll notice, that's exactly what happens. Like right now, if you believe the heliocentric theory, you believe that the sun is reflecting off of the moon, and it's not. The moon is, in fact, generating its own unique cold light. And in fact, the moon isn't even terra firma. It's a light, and the sun is a light. And they're the same size, and during the course of a day, the sun moves 15 degrees. And so over a 24-hour period, that would be 360 degrees. And the moon moves at 12 degrees per hour. So eventually, the sun begins to lap the moon. And that's why when you look into the sky, sometimes you don't know where the moon and the sun are, respectively, because it seems the moon's always moving around. And that's because it's moving three degrees less per hour. But if you look at the moon tomorrow night, from dark to dawn, from sunset to sunrise, the moon will be in the sky fully illuminated. And if you really study it, you'll see that it's generating its own unique light. And that again, the sun pours its light into the moon over a 14-day period, then it's full, then it extinguishes, then it's a new moon. So it waxes and wanes, and it does that ad infinitum. Now, I'm curious to ask you this. Donald Trump promised recently, promised his supporters that he'd put a man on the face of the moon. What are your thoughts and reactions about that? Are they actually going to do this or are they just going to push back the date? Oh, they're going to push back the date. I have a different take than most flat earthers. I believe the reason we've never been to the moon is because you can't land on it. It's, it's easily obtainable. I believe, as Lucifer does in the book, that's only about 3,500 miles away. But it's a light. You can't land on a light. And it's deceptive because you see craters and you think, okay, that's terra firma. But it's not. It's, in fact, a light. And you can't land on a light. And I don't think Donald Trump has that sort of intel. I just think he pontificates and runs everything from an emotional worldview. You know, when we say that and we talk about the moon, I instantly think about Buzz Aldrin and how he's been behaving the last couple of years. Oh, keep in mind, Buzz is allegedly a 33rd degree Freemason, and they name all of their missions after their gods, Apollo, Mercury. Uh, there's a reason for that. And then the question is, okay, so are you telling me thousands of people are in on this conspiracy? No, not at all. They compartmentalize just like the Freemasons do. My dad was a 33rd degree Freemason, another spirit I was delivered from. And uh, most Masons, 97%, probably don't get beyond the third degree. It's only when you get to 32nd and 33rd that it's revealed that Lucifer is God. He is the light bearer. And almost every astronaut pretty much, and again, allegedly, has to be a Freemason because they are the ones that are in on it, the ones that allegedly have gone to the moon, that get in the space shuttle, etc. They know what's going on. Pretty much most other folk involved with NASA are compartmentalized and on a need-to-know basis. So you definitely don't believe any of these claims the media or even our president is making regard in regards to the moon? No, you can't go back to something you've never been to. Amazing.
And of course, before we take too much time talking about this, because I could talk for another hour just purely on this subject, um, before I forget, we were also wanting to talk about the hollow earth theory and of course, Admiral Byrd and what he talked about. And of course, Agartha. Yeah. Well, let's start with the uh, International Maritime Organization, World Meteorological Organization. I know that's a lot of words, but back in 1958, they passed a treaty after Mr. Byrd had been to Antarctica. And they said from that point on, 1958, the nation state treaty became the law and no one could fly over the South Pole. In that uh, infamous television interview, Mr. Byrd said, I find it amazing that there's a land as large as America that no one has been to. And I don't believe the South Pole exists, but I do believe there's an Antarctica, just not in the heliocentric sense. And I'm beginning to believe I'm not there yet. I'm kind of like where I was in 2015 with Flat Earth. Right. I, I am starting to believe there is something to hollow Earth. Now, where do you stand on? I think I think it's goddamn fascinating to be honest with you. Uh, pardon my French, but I, I can't hold back my um, I can't hold back my emotions here. But it is very very interesting, and I'm fascinated by all of it. And Admiral Byrd, he talked about all these things, and a lot of people out there they say, "Oh, well, that's that's nonsense. That's uh, garbage. That's rubbish." There's no way any of these things ever went down, Michael. I'm sure many of you are saying that. Uh, and, and to you too as well. I'm sure people shoot those things down. But I always found it uh, quite interesting. Even if it wasn't real, just the story alone is quite fascinating. But what I find um, really riveting and mind-blowing is the fact that so many world leaders did go back to Antarctica for that short time in history. If you recall, a bunch of world leaders went out there and no one exactly knew why. Yeah, we had uh, John Kerry, uh, allegedly. Uh, Buzz Aldrin. Aldrin, uh, the gentleman is the head of Microsoft. I believe he was out there. Bill Gates was out there? Allegedly. I don't know that for certain. But in we'll case the up. listener doesn't know what we're talking about, basically with the flat earth theory, what we believe is that it's an ice wall. It's a 200-foot-high ice wall. And in the Book of Enoch, he actually breaks it down into 12 strata. Uh, strata is 5,000 miles. So if you take his numbers, and again, if you take Enoch's numbers, uh, you're looking at a 60,000-mile circular ice wall. And so every time someone moves east to west, they're really just going in circles on this flat disk. And the winters in... Uh, or rather the summers at the North Pole are a lot warmer than in Antarctica. So if we're living on a ball, why are the climates not similar during each's respective winter? And the reason is because the sun doesn't go that far south in relation to the ice wall. But getting into the North Pole and really baking a few people's noodles, I believe, and, I, and again, this is in the book, Lucifer says... The North Pole is a magnetically charged vortex ring generated by a closed rotating curve, which generates tidal fluctuations. It's located at the center of the flat Earth, and this massive hole produces a vacuum that extends from the surface of the flat Earth into the black cube of hell. This is the temporary holding cell of the Dark Angels. It is also the location of the Black Sun, and the Black Sun is the source of the northern lights. Everyone says they love the northern lights, but what accounts for the northern lights? 
Some say it's the black sun in Agartha, in the hollow earth. I do believe hell is 3,600 miles below the flat earth. So in many ways, I do believe the earth, parts of it are indeed hollow. It is a very fascinating sort of theory to go over. Very juicy stuff. It's just so much. You know, the last five minutes, you could just sit and think about that for five hours. And yet in the last 10 minutes, we've talked about the moon and the sun being the same size, the sun pouring its light into the moon. Uh, we've moved to the Antarctic ice wall, the Maritime Treaty. There's so much to it. You have to take it in small doses. It took me eight months to a year to begin believing that this stuff is actually true. And if you want, we can also go into chapter five, which is the glue of you, where Lucifer explains how human beings are actually built. Yes, which is which is amazing. Let, let's get into that. But before we do, you you brought up Bill Gates, and he's also someone who made recent headline news on another website. Uh, this is allegedly. It says here Bill Gates had a closer relationship with Jeffrey Epstein than he admitted. That's what the New York Times reports. What's your thoughts and opinions about that sort of a deal, especially with Jeffrey Epstein? I did read that. The question that goes beyond that is where did Epstein get all his money? And there's a theory floating around that I'm beginning to believe he got his money via blackmail. Blackmail, and, yes. and blackmailing billionaires. When you think about it, let's just say, for example, Epstein had some videotape of a renowned billionaire doing Michael Jackson-esque escapades. <laughs> okay? Right. Uh, you could probably get a few hundred million dollars holding that video over that billionaire's head. Right. And I'm, be I'm beginning to think that was the M.O. of Jeffrey Epstein because, you know, being a, a trader with, I think it was, was he with Bear Stearns or Lehman? You're not going to make that kind of money. But if you have a few clients that you have by the short hairs, uh, there's no limit to the amount of money you could make. What's your take on it, the relationship? Because allegedly Gates had met with uh, Epstein on numerous occasions. He says he did did meet with him, but he didn't have any business relationship or, or friendship with him. And he didn't go to New Mexico or Florida uh, or Palm Beach, anything like that. That's what he claims. But we, we know uh, we know that we know what that means, really. People say that all the time. They they say they say things like that that we never hung out, that I don't know him, but that really translates to yeah, we did shut up. Here's the most amazing revelation I learned from the whole Epstein debacle. But, but wait a minute, but holy shit though, Lee. Can you imagine if he really did acquire a lot of wealth and revenue from Bill Gates? Just think about all those computers and, and all the people that actually gave their money to Bill Gates, which then turned into money for one Jeffrey Epstein and all the things he's done. Holy okay. hell. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to the king. Holy hell. Did he acquire Epstein? Did Epstein acquire technology, software? Was he able to tap into people's phones, as in the Kingsman? I would Remember have to say, plot? sure, I would have to say that's not beyond the realms of a possibility. He was a very high player in that game. And not only that, Epstein was a proponent of transhumanism. Right, and right. This, this is completely missed by the mainstream media. At his ranch in New Mexico, allegedly, and I have to keep using that word, he wanted to seed 20 women at least 
and start his own race, a la Aryan race, a la right. the guy with the small mustache. Hitler. So, yes, think of the hubris involved in that. And he wanted to have his penis and his head frozen after he died. Now, that is I, disturbing. I, yeah, I don't know if that was granted after he was uh, suicided, allegedly. Right. But uh, that's... To me, that's the most amazing part of the story, that Epstein was pouring his money into transhumanism. But this ties into the elite, into Bill Gates, into Elon Musk, into Soros, into Kissinger, and transhumanism. What do they want to do? They want eternal life apart from the Ancient of Days. That's the one thing that money can't buy. It can't buy you eternal life. So if somehow they can tap into transhumanism and become eternal apart from the Ancient of Days, then death doesn't matter. Time is broken. And what's your personal opinion of one Donald J. Trump and his alleged affiliation with Mr. Jeffrey Epstein? I have a, a GIF right now in the chat room of one Donald J. Trump having a good time, and it looks like it's back in the 80s or maybe early 90s, rather. Looking, He's looking like he's having a great time. I think when you have enough money and enough power, you're able to get away with it for a long time. People have said, when is he ever going to pay for what he's done, allegedly? Allegedly, right. I think, you know, this is weird, Michael, you should bring this up. In the last 24 hours, I've come to this conclusion. I think he's being propped up by the machine. You know, they keep talking about the deep state's going to get him, the deep state this, the deep state that. When I look at what's occurred over the last three years, it almost seems as if some sort of force wants him to stay in power because it seems to be working out well for the powers that be, whether that's the stock market. Uh, those that control money, but those that run the world seem to like having him at the helm. And for whatever reason, it goes way beyond Reagan-esque Teflon. This guy, nothing seems to stick to him. <laughs> and I'm beginning to think Isn't that it's amazing? purposeful. Yes, it's purposeful. You know, and even Trump himself said, I can go down Fifth Avenue and just shoot somebody and nothing's going to happen. That's right. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot but of people. There's truth to that. There is truth to that. He's not lying. He's not lying. And, you no. know, I, I must say I'm not affiliated with any political party. I don't dislike uh, anyone who does not share the same mindset as I do. First and foremost, I want to be honest with you and the listeners out there. I'm not affiliated to anything like that. And I feel like Donald J. Trump isn't exactly the worst president in the world. Uh, well, it's better than what we could have maybe had if he wasn't running. I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if we didn't have him, to be honest with you. Uh, we have the worst of the worst, to be honest with you. I think what people are not used to, including myself, is any degree of decorum or literacy. We, you know, after eight years of Obama, whether you liked him or not, he was reserved. He was well-spoken. Uh, but with Trump, you just have a bull in a china shop and people are shocked by the way he conducts himself. And I think the one element with Donald Trump is that he always got his way in the business world by being a bully. But now that he's in the government, there is accountability and he's not used to that. And so I think that's why we see him throwing daily tantrums. But underneath all of it, I really think the powers that be, as much as the right will bemoan the deep state, I think that's an illusion. I think what actually is going on is that the powers that be want him to be in the position he's in because absolutely nothing is sticking. And even if he's impeached, I think he'll probably be reelected in 2020. How are you? Hello? 
Can you define more sharply what you think would be a legitimate or fair uh, set of circumstances in the relationship between Iran and Iraq uh, that would make us feel comfortable drawing down our troops? A little bit of a throwback there. (laughs) I'm Barack Obama. A little bit. Oh, yes, I remember him. Very likable, I have to say. I liked him. I didn't agree with his policies, but personally, uh, I like him just like just like I like Trump on a personal level, even though I don't dislike everything or I don't I don't like everything about him. I don't like a lot of the policies or some of the things that he's said in the past. But again, much better than what we could have had. Well, when you think about his opponent and again, to get into the spiritual end of it, allegedly he uses before he says whatever he says, uh, that person was involved in witchcraft. You think so? And, and absolutely. And not only that, but her um, her husband obviously was on the Lolita Express a few times. Oh, and, damn. Uh, the Clinton Foundation allegedly is just a front, a new world order front for uh, slush. So, you know, that was your choice. You, you have this braggadocious bull in the china shop or you have the same old guard and Americans decided, well, let's give this guy a shot. But I think if it's Trump versus Clinton in 2020, good Lord, help us all. Hillary, you really think she'd make it out of, out of the shadows? Oh, I think she's going to be the um, she's going to be the uh, contender. Yeah, do you absolutely. Think, do you think she's going to be the Trojan horse? Oh, absolutely. My I think she'll goodness. be the front runner, and maybe Elizabeth Warren will be her VP. You know, if the Democrats were serious and really did want to throw a monkey wrench in there and for sure solidify their position and take over the chair, uh, what they would do is bring in Michelle Obama. She would actually go in there and destroy everyone because she's so likable and the media are all behind her. If the Democrats really wanted to play hardball, that's what they would do. I think they do, but I think she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't want uh, think, that, though. I think, yeah. I think Obama is very intelligent and wise and knows that, why do I have to put up with that crap? I've got a pension. I'm getting involved in making movies and uh, doing what I like. Why would I subject myself to it? So right. I think it's going to be Clinton and Warren versus Trump and Pence. And even if he's impeached by the House, the Senate won't go along. That's what a I think. A black man with a funny yeah. name. Yeah, that could change tomorrow. Yes, definitely. That could change tomorrow. But to be honest with you, if the Democrats really wanted to play hardball, they could even get Kim Kardashian and then we'd all be in trouble. Yeah. That's the sad part. And we could make uh, Kanye West the uh, the reverend. He's got his own little religion going now, too. Oh, boy. W- what's going on with Kanye West? I have no idea. Nor do I is, want is to he, know. Is he going crazy again? I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's conducting services. Wow. He's still into that, huh? Yeah. I'm amazed. Well, he I'm was on amazed. Rolling Stone as Christ. That was <laughs> full on blasphemy. Oh, no. What's going on with some with someone who sees himself as a Christ-like figure? Do you think they are uh, undergoing some sort of mental, I guess you could say, sort of mental issue or breakdown of sorts? I think everybody deals with life differently. Or is he having a midlife crisis? Is that what that is? Maybe a midlife crisis. Is that number three? I think that's number three for Kim. I don't know, man. You know, if you're married to a Kardashian, it's pretty much downhill. I mean, it's pretty much uphill, but then downhill uh, your health, mental health. I have decided I've been single now for 12 years and I've been celibate for five 
And I have no desire for that at all. And I'm completely at peace with it. My life is so easy not having to worry about somebody else. See, it is liberating not to have someone else in your life telling you uh, what to do at all times of the, the day and night. Do you feel a lot happier now that you are without these sort of restraints? I don't think I should have ever been married. I'm too selfish and self-centered. I can't, if you can't wake up in the morning, roll over to the one you love and say, how are you? And mean it, you really shouldn't be married. And I never could do that because when, when I wake up, I want to go to the bathroom and I want coffee. And I don't want to talk to anybody until both of those things have been completed. A gang of four in the chat room says celibate by choice. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting off a really bad vibe like Kramer in Seinfeld, uh, Gavorka, and I, I need some garlic or something. I don't know. No, I think, I think it's by choice, but you never know. Good point. I don't know, man. You know, I've seen, I've seen you before. You don't, you don't seem like a very, you know, unattractive male. You, you seem like someone who's kind of alpha, who can definitely tackle whatever he needed. Well, this is why people should buy my book, Morningstar's Tale, because on the back cover is a photograph of me, so you can make up your own mind. Amazing. Technology. By the way, friend of show contributor says, Michael jumped to how humans created with Lee. I think he's asking wow. how humans were created. Uh, yes, humans were created, just like this place was created. If, let's say, for example, it was common knowledge tomorrow that the earth is flat, do you think people's faith would increase or decrease in divine, intelligent design? Waiting for the chat room. No answers from them yet. What do you think? Hmm, interesting question. In other words, let's say... Everything was a ruse. Let's say what I'm saying is true, that we live on a flat earth with a dome above us, and beyond that Antarctic ice wall, land just extends who knows how far, and they have an actual shot of it, and not just a shot, but a video, and the, and the news guy comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, it has been revealed that the earth isn't flat, is in fact flat. What do you think would happen? Well, Gang of Four in the chat room says, let the flat earth go. He is not a believer. Well, that's okay. I wasn't a believer either. And I don't expect most people to believe. The reason I wrote the book through Lucifer was I was tired of watching people on YouTube beg viewers to understand their point of view. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to lay down the facts scientifically, present them with a narrator who could give a damn whether people believe him and says, take it or leave it. And that's really the attitude I have. I don't evangelize this. I'm passionate about it. But if people don't want to believe it, I get it. I'm 62. For 58 years of my life, I believe the earth was round. And for me to say you need to believe it's flat is arrogant. And so I'm not going down that road. Amazing. And of course, now friend of show contributor says, want to hear about human creation theory of one Mr. Austin. The question is, why did the architect, the ancient of days, create us? It's a great question. It's a great question. The Anunnaki... I, don't, I don't have an answer. I can tell right. you what's occurred. 
at some point, the angels were created, and they were created before man. But the angels were not made in God's image. It says that man was. So we are a reflection of the Ancient of Days. And the light bearer, Lucifer, wants us to be a reflection of him. And as the story unwinds in Morningstar's tale, it talks about how the mark, some call it the mark of the beast, is actually transformative. It'll take your systemic double helix DNA and convert it into triple helix DNA reflecting Lucifer. So you'll no longer be an image made in the Ancient of Days image. Why he created us? Fellowship? I don't know. I wasn't there. All I know is that he was, always is, created angels, and then created us. And for whatever reason, angels are not given a second chance, and we are. And that's where we're at. And that's where we're at. And uh, yes, looking at the chat room there, I had to explain right now what exactly happened to uh, my second guest. Apparently, he lost his voice and uh, can no longer talk Lee. Interesting, I've had or had severe bronchitis for a month, and this is the first week that I can speak. So you've been sick all this time. I've been sick uh, really bad. And this week, I feel good. I'm I feel you, great. Yeah. As James Brown would say, I feel dead. <laughs> Interesting. Have you been taking orange juice or anything of that nature? No, nothing at all. My daughter, my son had it. Uh, apparently, everyone that I know is getting it. And I'm beginning to wonder, and here goes the tinfoil hat, if chemtrails have anything to do with it. What do you think and believe about chemtrails? Do you believe they're real? And if so, what's your take on it? Chemtrails from everyone I've talked to, they, they claim they are very real and people claim they're getting sick all the time uh, from the sprain. Do you believe that? I think I think it's possible. I mean, I do live out here in a very heavily agricultural type of uh, environment out here in El Centro, California. Lots of agriculture and there's lots of um, crop dusters out here that definitely do go around spraying all kinds of things in the air. And, uh, you know, there's lots of dirt and pollen that gets thrown around everywhere and not to mention whatever chemicals they're spraying uh, at that time. All of that's all, all that sort of stuff goes around all over the place here, especially in this town. And I don't think it's probably the safest thing to be breathing in. So I definitely feel there could be something there. It's the idea that jets are, and again, the difference between a contrail and a chemtrail, a contrail is when the, the jet engine in the upper atmosphere, uh, the ice crystals are formed from the heat of the engine. Whereas a chemtrail, the theory says, there's a spray coming out containing barium and aluminum. Right. And the idea is that it's blocking the sun because of climate change, global warming, but then that ties into HARP, and there's those that say these chemtrails are actually being steered and modifying the weather. And I'm coming to the conclusion that climate change is not so much climate change as it is climate chaos. Uh, you know, take the last week alone, you have snow in the Midwest and you have record temperatures in other parts of the country, it just seems that there is extreme weather all over what I would call this flat plain. And maybe it's the result of the world uh, getting its own case of bronchitis as a result of man tampering with nature. That's a fascinating take on it. It could be very much a possibility. 
And uh, speaking of climate change and all of that sort of thing, we did have a another individual out there, a very young girl. If you know exactly who I'm talking about, don't you? I don't. I am referring to this girl named Greta Thunberg. Oh, yes. Okay. That's the way the she one, calls she's herself. She's the new by the way. spokesperson. F- she's the new spokesperson for climate change. Correct. And again, we go back to what I was talking about when you, when the media brings in these really young uh, sort of people or kids, whatever, whatever you want to call them. I always find that very, very strange and unusual. Yes, Greta Thunberg, as she calls herself. Most of the American media does not call her by the the proper name, but that's how you say it properly. I was uh, told by another uh, Swede recently. When she broke onto the scene, the first thing I thought of was the Me Too movement. And earlier today, I was watching a video with Anthony Bourdain, and it still bothers me, everything that occurred. And again, I'll use the word allegedly. He was with uh, his girlfriend, who was head of the Me Too movement, and allegedly had some sort of tryst with a 17-year-old. Uh-oh. And Bourdain fronted her the money to the tune of two hundred and fifty to 300000 to pay him off. And then... Uh, he saw photos of her with another guy, and then he was no longer. So all of this is drama-ridden, emotionally driven. It's from the mouth of babes that wise words allegedly come. But in this case, I think what we're seeing is that policy is being dictated by emotion as opposed to thought. And this is another case of that. Yes, I've said this uh, off air before to other people who have asked me about the media using these uh, young kids to push a narrative. And we've seen that on, on both sides. When you see a young person getting emotionally upset, it, it upsets you and I because we don't like seeing innocence portrayed like that. So when they say something isn't right and they're speaking from their heart, there's a tendency to believe them because they don't have an agenda. But the agenda is the brainwashing. Of course. watch Watch me bring this home. It's the same thing with the globe. We have been told since we walked in kindergarten that the earth is round. And it took me 58 years to unwind that. Brainwashing, whether it's global brainwashing, climate change brainwashing, this indoctrination begins at a very young age and it becomes emotional. And emotion trumps rationality. And that's the issue we're having. Would you say television has destroyed this nation? Certainly has played a large, a very large part. The only time I watch television is when I'm on the treadmill at the gym. I don't own a television. The majority of Americans do watch TV. That's the problem. We are, you know, vastly in the minority. Lots of uh, the mainstream and majority of people out there, they watch this and they consume it and they believe it to be a fact. That's the, that's the problem. And the paradigm is ridiculous. And again, I go back to Prince. He uh, During that interview, he said when he was in London, he played the, uh, I think it's called the O2 Center multiple concerts, and he was watching the BBC, and he said, news in in London, in in, uh, the United Kingdom, is so much different, and in Europe, than in the United States. They actually talk about stories of substance. Here, you have CNN, Trump bad, you have Fox, Trump good, and that's it, as if there's nothing else going on in the world. People see it that way, though. That's that's the crazy part. They think that's the only thing. 
I can't even talk to most people. When you when I talk to individuals who view life through the prism of the political, it's nauseating. There That's are so many there are people. people I, I drive through neighborhoods and I see an American flag and a Trump flag, and I'm a libertarian. I don't care. But for anyone to have that much passion for any human being to make a flag of that person and hang it under the American flag shows you that it's uh, – what was that song? Cult of Personality by oh, Living, yes. Color. Living Color. That's exactly what we got. We have a cult of Trump going on. And it's not Trump. It's just he's the flavor of the month right now. Right. And going back to television yet again, people see the way these anchors respond to a lot of the, the news stories. And they think that in their heads, that's the way they should respond. It's kind of sad. Monkey see, monkey do. And it's the same thing with Flat Earth. I never was disparaging of it. Even when I thought it was ridiculous, when I first heard about flat earth theory, I thought it's ridiculous. But I didn't say that. When people began to present arguments, I listened to them. I'll listen to anybody who has anything to say if they do it in a rational, calm, intelligent manner. I'll listen to your argument. But for people to just shut someone down for having a different point of view is the antithesis of what I thought America was. In many ways, this has become complete fascism, uh, my way or the highway. Yeah, it's been a lot of grown men acting like emotional women to be personally and uh, be completely blunt with you. Whether they're on the right or the left. Exactly. But again, I've never seen grown men and women act like this. They're acting rather immature. Well, when you think about it, they're a reflection of the administration. Uh, I go back to that movie with Mike Judge, Idiocracy. Who knew when that movie was made that it would be prophetic? In many ways, the leadership of this country reflects the intellect of this country. And if you don't believe me, just go to Walmart. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, a previous guest I had on here, um, we were talking about the Trayvon Martin uh, case, by the way. And uh, we were talking about George Zimmerman. And I made a reference to uh, George Zimmerman not being, you know, the most brightest guy in the world. And I said, he's like someone I would find at Super Walmart at 2 a.m. Agreed. I was actually reading that post on your website. Joe Gilbert is his name, by the way, who is a film director, a really great guy. And, and he's done a lot of good work with some of the documentaries he's done. He interviewed Malik Obama. And again, I was very skeptical about that. And for those that don't know, Malik is pres well, former President Obama's uh, brother. And he interviewed this individual and uh, he talked to him at length about the, the brother and how he's treated his family and those out there uh, in Kenya. And it, it was completely fascinating. There's so many great stories that just don't get on television. My favorite television show was Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain because of that very reason. He would go to other countries, sit down with people you normally would not sit down with and have a meal with them and just talk about life, their hopes, their dreams. It was real and it resonated with me. I, I, you know, I, I really miss him and that show because it was so different than anything else I've seen on television. And how do you feel about Anthony Bourdain killing himself? What do Terrible. you think about that? Terrible. I feel terrible. I, like everyone else, try to reason why and 
again, I'll go with the word alleged, this idea that he was with that chick, Asia. Yeah, that woman. And, and yeah, the one who directed his last episode in Hong Kong. Apparently, they had gotten together, had been lovers, and went their separate ways. She allegedly contacted him about a, 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 an incident she had with a young guy who's now blackmailing her, extorting 300000 He pays it, uh, sees photos of her with some other guy, and then he is no more. Now and again, gone. this is all alleged, but it bothered me greatly because of my own personal experience with codependency. I almost went back out and drank after being married for 20 years when she left me. Oh, boy. Because because I was codependent on my ex-wife. And what people don't realize, a lot of people don't realize, and I found this out the hard way, is that codependency is absolutely deadly. If you tie your emotions and your well-being completely into someone else, you are setting yourself up for failure. Word. And this, this could be a case in point. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I acquiesce. One hundred percent. Are you married? No, thank God. <laughs> I thought you were an agnostic. I mean, well, you know, I am, but I, I still have to thank God every now and then, right? You got to keep God and all the other gods in your back pocket. I see. Yeah, you never know, man. Hedging your bets. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you uh -huh. got to make a deal with uh, both sides. I see where you're going. That's all right. right. All right. All right. So where do you want to go now? You want to go flat earth? You want to go alchemy? You well, want to go CERN? What, well, what direction do you like to go? At? I want to take it. Well, you know, we are going to hit a break pretty soon here and we don't have a second guest. So we, we will be able to talk about those subjects after we take a short little break here. But friend of show contributor in the chat room, you know, I like this guy. He says opinion about anchor shepherd leaving Fox. And, you know, I couldn't leave this one. I couldn't leave this stone unturned. Definitely want to make a comment about that and also want your opinion. I don't watch Fox News. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really watch it at a regular sort of, um, you know, daily thing. But I will catch clips every now and then. And, you know, I have to check in and see what different sides are saying. And Shepard, I always thought, in my opinion, was one of the best they've had on the, on their roster. And now he's gone. <laughs> I don't think they're really looking for the best. No, well, of course not. I think they're, they're looking for ideology. <laughs> uh, if you if you tune in the Fox, you would assume they like Trump, and if you tune in the CNN, they don't. And far, you know, Shepard obviously was not a fan of Trump. No, I didn't like him. So I'm, I'm sure the um, the listeners let Rupert uh, was he even alive. They they let Fox know that. Uh, no, we don't like this guy. So he'd probably do better on CNN, I guess. Mm. I don't know. They axed the poor guy. Well, he said he quit. Well, yeah, he quit because he was completely unhappy, I'm pretty sure. I like the Bobcat Goldthwait joke. He said, uh, I didn't lose my job. It's just that when I go there, uh, someone else is doing it. <laughs> Amazing. I really wonder what they're going to do to replace the guy now. Because, again, I thought he wasn't so bad. I think Napolitano is great. I love that guy. He's not bad. Fox does a pretty good job with, with their programming and how they, they do things and their production. You know, things like that, most people don't really uh, take for consideration, really, or even view it that way. I'll tell you the most amazing thing I saw. I saw Trump standing next to Hannity, and Trump drank out of a bottle of water, and Hannity was still able to talk. Really? Yeah, and he had his hand up his back and everything. It was amazing. That's a little unusual. Hannity, you know, he, he goes on his radio show. I hear him every now and then on, on the AM, and he's always bragging about him training. 
Really? I guess he's doing like boxing and jujitsu or some shit. And uh, I, I think it's hilarious. Not that I don't believe him. I'm sure he does do those things. But the fact that he brings it up uh, on his show, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> he's trying to work on his alpha cred. I, you know, got to let him do what he's got to do. Man's got to be who he has to be. He works hard, though. I do give him credit. He does. Does he the talks radio. about does not the taking TV? a lunch. And I'm thinking, you talk. You're, you throw crap for a living. I mean, well, true. really. True. Break from what? Well, talking nonstop. You know, it gets hard. It's brutal. You know, his, his, he's, he has cotton mouth. Yeah, it must be. I mean, that hand must get clammy up his back the whole time. Ooh, yeah. You know, that's another unusual thing to see. Uh, any president being, you know, friends with any sort of media outlet, I think that's a little unusual. But that's just my thought. Yeah, this one seems to be enamored with Fox. The previous administration seemed enamored with CNN. It's just... It's the same old, same old. It's a game, really. It is a game. It is a it game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're not in control. Yeah, these talking heads, you know, that's really what they are. And uh, that's just a fact. I like what George Carlin said. You, you, you have no rights. You have owners. They own you. And it's, it's true. You don't own anything. Buy a house and not pay your property tax for a year. See what happens. Don't pay your HOA. Gang of four. Gang of four says Operation Mockingbird, which is um, which is very true. That's something that could be possibly going on today. I have no idea. I I have found much greater clarity the more I pull away from the political conversation and focus more on the esoteric, which is ironic because you would think focusing on the esoteric would be a little bit uh, cloudy. But I'm getting a lot. I, the other day. You know, and I said, I've told you, I, I live on the space coast of Florida. Right. Uh, on the East Coast. The other day, I went down to the beach, and I literally was the only person on the beach at about 6.30. And I just said nothing. And I just listened for a half hour. And I had such peace, such peace, being away from people and just almost fusing with the ocean. And when you consider that, you know, we're made mostly of water – why do people love to gravitate to the ocean? It's because there's a pole there. There's a symbiotic uh, relationship. And sometimes you just need to get away. One of the reasons I think Jesus is always going up into the hills, he just got sick of people. He's just doesn't tired say of that everyone. In, doesn't say that necessarily in the Bible, but I just think he had his fill. It was like, oh, man, enough of you people. Shut up. Well, then maybe it's a good thing he gave us a Satan, right? That's an interesting point. Did, <laughs> right. he, did he or was Satan the result of free will run astray? Mm, interesting. And do you really have free will if you choose to go that way? Obviously, you do. Food for thought. There you go. Now, before we do take a break, there was one more story that I did want to mention to you. And of course, this goes with the whole Me Too movement, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about as we go along here. But now the latest who has been caught up in the movement is actor Cuba Gooding Jr. Are you familiar with him? Did you say Cuba? Right. Really? I I was not aware. Really? I don't give much credence to any of that, do you? Well, there was already security footage of him and then this uh, woman that was making these uh, claims, and uh, both of them were, were clearly drunk in the footage. I think he's going to be fine. Well, and then there's the allegations of Matt Lauer 
Another guy. Yeah, another guy. And uh, apparently he was uh, having his way with a woman who was intoxicated that worked for the same network during the uh, Olympics. I think so much of it is just so much of it is just distraction. You got to be careful, though, especially being a celebrity today, especially you're going to take photos with fans or whatnot. It's probably best you don't even put your arm around them. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Jay Leno, and and Jay Leno made an astute point that back in the 70s and 80s, celebrities would show up like, especially on Carson's show, uh, they would not dress appropriately and they would not say appropriate things. And he said he got tired of doing The Tonight Show because everyone had a handler or an agent and they would say, okay, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that and we're not going to do this and she's going to wear that. And so everything is predictable. So what you're missing is a lot of natural unpredictability, which is entertaining. The the reason that long form podcasts like yours work is because people get time to express what's actually going on inside of their mind and in their heart, which you never get with network television anymore because everything is so predictable and formulated. You know, Lee, I still think Lucifer isn't such a bad guy. I know you don't. I I I just think he's, you know, misunderstood. That's all. Well, do you actually believe he exists? Not really. So you believe in the concept? I believe in the sort of archetype, perhaps. That that could probably be much more meaningful for someone listening. I could say that. I was thinking of this. Uh, but as, a, you know, as, a, as someone who goes by strictly the Bible and their construct of a red bean with horns, I don't see it that way. No, I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, I know you don't. No, no. Right. No. I think what occurred from what I've read, from what I've studied, is that you have the Ancient of Days, the great architect, who built this place. And he created this being who was the most attractive, gorgeous, incredible being ever created. It was his masterwork. And the masterwork one day fell in love with himself, looked in the mirror and said, I am a god. Megalomaniac. And at that point, the Ancient of Days said, no, you're not a god. You are my creation. You are my beautiful creation. And he said, not good enough. And at that point, the falling out occurred. Bum, bum, bum. I didn't have the uh, sound effect queued up, so I had to make make one up myself. No, I was just thinking Sorry. about how much I took that out of context. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's a scripture that supports that, but that in, that's the cliff notes um, the fall for dummies, as I would call it. Um, that's how I see it occurring or did occur. And then, you know, I can see also your point of view where in many ways, is he really trying to save us from the demiurge or is he in fact deceiving us? Well, some people really do believe that he tried to save us for sure. There's not really too much in the Bible that really, you know, says that he was trying to really harm us. In the first chapter of the book, Morningstar's Tale, uh, Lucifer writes images, and that's man, humans. Images are a reflection of the Ancient of Days. Perhaps that will shed a little light upon my natural disdain for your kind. I opened your eyes, and you became like a god, knowing everything both good and evil. You're welcome. And then he talks about being cast out of heaven. 
So from Lucifer's point of view, he resents, or you could even call hates, humans because they're made in God's image, whereas he wasn't. But yet an angel in the heavens is above man. So there was a period of time when he had created Lucifer, but never made him in his image. He was never a reflection of the architect, whereas man is a reflection. And so Lucifer's contention is, you made humans who are less than me in your image, but you didn't make me in your image. And then when I rebelled, I never got a second chance. Now, what do you say to those who say Lucifer tried to get Jesus to save himself rather than to be crucified? I don't think he tried to get him to save himself when he took him up on top of the mountain and offered them offered him the world. He wanted Jesus to be subservient to him. And if you believe that Jesus was in fact God in the flesh, amazing. Essentially, if he had accomplished that, God would be below Lucifer. So the question is, when Lucifer rebelled, did he want to be equal to God? Or did he want to be above God? And I get the impression that he wanted to be above God based on the uh, scene that played out on that mountain. Now, where in the Bible does Lucifer ever kill anyone, though? Good question. I don't see it. I don't ever remember seeing anything like that. But I do remember reading stories about God killing a, a bunch of people, though. I do see that. Well, let's start with God killing a bunch of people. Amazing. and. It doesn't make any sense. You know, this whole idea of Father God and Jesus, it almost seems as if they're the antithesis of each other. By the way, let me just quickly stop you and say, uh, do you believe firmly in the Old Testament as it being 100% accurate, the word of God, and you're all for it? I believe it is. Uh, what about, as far as, what about uh, slavery, though? Well, Let's start with God killing all these humans. Yes, let's go let's, there. Let's, let's dissect that. If you don't understand Genesis chapter 6, you will not understand God. And, and it is the Rosetta Stone. In many ways, if you don't understand the story of the angels coming down to earth, having sex with women, and corrupting the seed, then you will not understand the Ancient of Days. And essentially, you know, you can believe this or not believe this. That's going to be hard to convince the atheists that are listening. They're going to say, why would we care? You know, that's what they're going to say. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I work next to an atheist at my you job. Know, you I, know how they get. <laughs> I've, I've been dealing with that for three years. It's fun. I uh, actually gave him a copy of the book I wrote to my favorite atheist. Oh, did he, did he like that? He did. Oh, he I did. love it. I don't <laughs> pontificate. I don't preach. I just say, here's what I believe. You know, figure it out for yourself. But nice. if it's true, mm -hmm. and I do believe it's true, that the reason God killed everyone in the flood is that everyone was corrupted. Uh, Satan's idea. But God is was, all knowing, though. So that would mean that he purposely made them to kill. Don't, don't you think that's a little bit effed up? Why would he purposely make these people just to go and, you know, kill them later? I don't see free, the reason. Free will. Free will is a bitch. But how how would they have free will if he already knew he was just going to kill them? He's outside of time. My goodness. God, I know. God seems, me, he I, seems I, kind I, of I, he seems kind of mean. In the Old Testament, he does. He seems kind of like a jerk. And Satan kind of seems like, you know, he likes to party. He's a good guy. He's just trying to save you, giving you the tree of knowledge, you know, trying to make you better. And then God, you know, he's 
he's up there and, you know, he's getting slaves and he's pushing people down steps and laughing at people and telling who to enslave and, uh, which, which, um, you know, who, who to enslave, you know, what, what Jews to enslave and, uh, you know, all sorts of nasty things, really. It's incredible. It is. It bakes your noodle. You go all the way back to the garden. And in the book, I talk about how Adam and Eve were actually transdimensional. They, according to the book and according to Lucifer, um, Adam and Eve were able to transcend all 10 heavens. That in fact, there's actually 10 heavens. You have, you know, where we live, the first heaven. The second heaven is where all the principalities is. The third heaven is the heaven that's talked about in the Bible. But then there are seven other heavens with the Ancient of Days actually on the 10th heaven. And it talks about how Adam and Eve were able to transcend all of these different dimensions. But it comes down to a choice. When he said, don't eat from that tree, it was symbolic in many ways. Think about the Apple computer. What is the symbol of the Apple computer? It's a an apple with a bite out of it. But he's now but now it's even knowledge. now it's even more hard hitting since we do know all these people's involvement with one Jeffrey Epstein. Indeed. Terrible. It all goes back full circle, right? It does. It really comes down to a choice. Um for me, I got to the point I'm at based on marijuana and an earthquake. Wait, what? What do you mean? When I was 21 years old, I was um, I wasn't a believer, and uh, I was uh, you smoking were, a joint you were in a an, bathtub. You were an anarchist. <laughs> uh, no, I was just uh, just some hippie. I was just a hippie. It was um, let's see, 19 I think in 1979 in Los Angeles. I had been living in LA for about a year. I actually moved out to LA to be a stand-up comedian. That's right. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, and I did. I did stand up for about three years. Nice. So anyway, I'm I'm uh, in the bathtub smoking a joint. I'm really high. Oh yeah. And an earthquake hit. Ooh. And I I'd never been through an earthquake in my life, and I absolutely freaked out. I mean, I ran out of the house in my towel down the street, just totally freaked. And about a day or two after that, I just I gave up. I pretty much said, if you're real, come into my life, forgive me. And and I just remember being filled. I mean, it was a literal spiritual experience. And I, mm-hmm. at first, was freaking out again because I felt this spirit come into me. I felt myself being possessed. And then all of a sudden, it was like this, you know, the knowledge, the knowing it was just like this peace and this understanding. Are you, are you sure you just weren't having like an anxiety attack? No, because I had stopped smoking pot and I had just calmed down. It's like I said, this was a couple of days after. Ah, and I was okay. alone. I was alone in the room. It was just me. and You and your whoever, thoughts. But I verbalized them. That was the difference. I see. And uh, from that moment on, I knew there was a real spiritual world. And it's real. All of it, uh, demons, dark angels, angels, Satan, God, all of it. I mean, it's just real. And it's ironic that I have such a hard time fitting in the church because I'm considered a space cadet, a spiritual space cadet, because this is the only kind of stuff I like talking about, like the conversation we're having tonight. I love talking about this subject matter. Isn't it fun? Oh, it's a great time. I like it. 
And whether the person agrees with me or not, as long as it's civil and educational and uh, intuitive, like it always is with you, I love it. I, I have a much yeah. easier time, ironically, again, ironically, speaking with you than I do a lot of Christians because as soon as I start talking about the Nephilim and Flat Earth and all this other stuff, they just kind of go, okay, well, we'll see you later, well, weirdo. Well, Lee, the ironic thing is that a lot of these Christians or alleged Christians, they don't even really read their own book. They don't even know it. Guilty as charged. I'm not saying me. I'm saying you're right. Yeah, a lot of them really don't know it. They don't. A lot of them don't even know what the Book of Enoch is. One thing I admire about Satanists is their conviction. It's almost as if their devotion is enviable. They're all in. I disagree with them, but hey, they're all in. It's black and white. You know where they're at. Well, they're humanist. Lots of them are. Some are. Uh, the the guy I work with, I would say he's more along the line of a humanist. He does have a Baphomet uh, bumper sticker on his car. Oh, he's that in then? Yeah, he's. What does that? I, I'm not asking you what Baphomet means, but he has a like I said a Baphomet bumper sticker. I would consider him a Luciferian. Would you go down that road? Well, it's hard to say because there's all sorts of different sort of you know ways people sort of perceive themselves some of them don't want to be labeled i think he shadows his belief i think he has a much stronger belief than he conveys in conversation and there's a you lot know? there's a lot of people out there who don't even believe in any of this they they just like the imagery there's lots of those out there too the one thing about the bible that i struggle with um is the book of enoch the because of again enoch. my understanding is that about 500 years after the Book of Enoch was removed from the Bible because right. it was just so controversial and got into the Nephilim and into graphic detail about the structure of the earth. And then 500 years ago, uh, we went through the same thing allegedly with the Jesuits, changing the whole paradigm from flat to round. And um, I just don't – I think one of the things that I'm really taken aback with is how many years I believe the earth was a globe. And when I look at the statistics, that is the, the scientific numbers, it just doesn't make sense. You know, the idea that we're, we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour and simultaneously going around a ball sun at 66,000 miles an hour and the Milky Way is expanding at about a million miles an hour. And it just, it just seems so inconceivable. And and then when you read the book of Enoch and it talks about the planets being lights and sentient beings, it just resonates with me. All of it does. Um, it's just weird. I, I almost feel in many ways I'm in more of a minority than I've ever been in my life. And it's so hard to find like-minded, quote-unquote, Christians who believe the earth is flat. And ironically, it's many who aren't Christians that have embraced the uh, geocentric theory. Yeah, that's another conundrum I have to convey here to you. Lots of individuals I know that are very much in the same light. Yeah, and they're not believers. And I get along fine with them too. Uh, I, I understand it. But I think what happens at some point is if you do become a flat earth person, you move to the next step, which is the scary step, which is okay. There's the next step? Uh, yeah, there's intelligent design behind this. It's so easy not to believe in intelligent design with a heliocentric model that it's all pointless and that, you know, what's the, why are we even here? Who cares? 
boat. If we're geocentric, then we're the center of the universe, which I believe, then we must be pretty damn important. Yes. And by the way, I did want to mention to you here yet again that I did invite Mark Sargent uh, this evening, but I received no word uh, back from one Mark Sargent. I interviewed Mark Sargent on my show uh, about a month before I got fired. This was back in uh, 2016. He got you fired. No, he didn't necessarily get me fired. It was my free will. The uh, owner of the network said, stop talking about Flat Earth. And I said, I can't because I just I'm obsessed. And I had Mark Sargent on. And about two weeks later, I was uh, terminated. You were axed. Yeah. And then three months, three months later, I began researching the book. That took about a year, took about two months to find a publisher. I had three offers, but this one was the best. And so I took that and uh, I've spent literally the last year uh, marketing it. And, and, and I've been having a lot of success marketing the college radio stations right. because that's the demographic. Those are the millennials who have access to radio who are open to it. Yes. And let's, let's go over all these things when we return. I thought it would be a, a nice time to go on a break now. I think I'm ready for a break. How long shall we go? Uh, let's take like a five, 10 minute break here. All right. I'll see you in five to 10. We'll have a, a little recess here, as they say in the court system. Class dismissed. Yes, sir. Hold tight and we'll be right back with Mr. Lee Austin. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking to Mr. Lee Austin here on the program and we will be going on a very short break. And when we return, all sorts of juicy subjects still coming at you. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back, boys and girls. Here we are again for round two. And yet again, I am still joined by Mr. Lee Austin. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. I enjoyed that break. You know, me too. I actually found God during that break. Did you? Did you smoke some pot? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, you're, you're in California. It's legal. Well, I don't know if I did that. Oh, okay. I'm not did, responsible did, for that. How did you uh, how did you come to this epiphany that I found God? Yeah. Well, I just thought about God. Interesting. And I heard a voice and they said, Michael, I exist. Stop playing around. Really? God talked to me right now on the break. Wow. Well, maybe it was just a figment of my imagination. I'm not quite sure. It's starting to sound like you're a stable genius. I might be <laughs> or I might not be. Who knows? Right. Any relationship to the occupant of the White House? No, I'm not. I'm not related to him. I'm, I'm, I'm too. You know, I have the Egyptian skin, so I can't be related to the orange one. Ah, yes, but he's only orange temporarily. That's true. He's more like pale. He's like a, a whiter shade of pale. He's got a Procol Harum deal going on. You know, I do give him credit though. He's done quite well for himself throughout life. Sure. Yeah, good for him. I honestly feel that way. You know, he's, you know, as much as some people really dislike the president, I have to say, he's lived a pretty wild life, my friends. Can't hate he's the guy too much. I can't hate him, you know. He's not in control. He's not in control. Yeah, he, uh, he got a good foot up, that's for sure. His dad gave him quite a little bit of 
money. Some of that paper. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. He, we've never had someone like that. I have to, you know, I gotta, gotta tell you, never had anyone like that ever. And now I have a gif of one Donald Trump dancing, looking like Puff Daddy in a, in a music video. And he's next to, well, who would you, who, who would you know? It's, it's Jeffrey Epstein next to him. You think Jeffrey Epstein is still above ground? You know, that's an interesting thing. I'm not quite sure if he's alive or dead. Some people think he's alive, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I can go with that sort of notion, though, to be honest. I think he's I long think, gone. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people that found it in their best interest that he would not be uh, above ground. No, he's gone, man. The guy knew too much. So, you know, they whacked him. These things happen. God, I love that gif of Donald Trump, though. He's wearing a pink tie and he's biting his bottom lip. That's a first. You know, I think he might be on cocaine. <laughs> I have really? a, I have a lot of friends, <clears throat> friends who are homosexuals, and they go to Palm Springs pretty often. Some even live there. And I've seen that look before. It takes me back. Really? Not to my own personal experience. I, I've never had any. I'm not that courageous. I don't have any sort of personal experience to uh, speak of. I've never gone down that line, but I have, I have plenty of friends who have, and some of them are into some of that white powder and they have made that face right there that I'm looking at uh, more than once. I have to say, <laughs> I've never, I never really paid attention to this. And this is the first time I've actually seen this. It looks like he's on cocaine. I just don't like Holy the fact shit. that every, every time I get on the internet, I see him. I, I'd like to just go, uh, Trump-free day. Oh, it's, that's impossible. Yeah, I guess it is. The guy's making headlines constantly. I mean, I try not to talk about him, but he's the president, and we've never had something like this before. It's, it's kind of insane. Part of the reason some are saying that he pulled the uh, support of the Kurds is because uh, he has a, a Trump Tower in Istanbul uh, with uh, his friend uh, Erdogan. And he does. Mm. There are two towers. And there was a quote from 2015 where he said, yeah, I might have a little bit of a conflict of interest there. So everywhere you go, he's got a building. So there's a conflict of interest everywhere. Uh, we've just never had anyone this rich on paper running the show. So there's always a conflict of interest. I've never seen anyone go after any president like this before, not even when Bush was around. No. They Not just like don't this. Like him. This is so much different, though. That's what really fascinates me. It's it's very unusual I, how everyone sort of has their own sort of team. Everyone has their own sort of confirmation bias. It's not so much the policies as it is the person. They just don't like him. Going back to what we were talking about, Obama, he was likable. Donald Trump, not so much. Not so much. I could see how some people could like the antics, the pro wrestling over the top antics. Trust me, I'm guilty of doing the same shit here. However, that's the president. That's, uh, you know, pretty big difference there. It's like you go to a family reunion <laughs> and you have your uh, loudmouth uncle <laughs> who only talks about himself, <clears throat> doesn't listen to anyone else, right. and gets drunk, uh, is an egomaniac with low self-esteem. And for about the first half hour, he's pretty entertaining. And then about 45 minutes in, you just leave so you can get away from him. That's what we have. Ironically, that's probably what you would probably experience if you met him, Lee. 
Woody Harrelson in Esquire magazine this month uh, was relating an, uh, an incident he had with the president before he was the president. He was there with Melania and Woody was with his girlfriend. And he said the whole time they were having dinner, Trump talked about Trump and dominated the conversation. Melania had maybe one-tenth of one percent of the conversation. And eventually he had to leave the table and go outside and smoke a joint. Oh, good times. Yeah, I mean, that's his world. I couldn't – I always said, you know, his uh, his uh, brother was an alcoholic and I guess died of it. Oh. But, but my, my wow. feeling on uh, this guy is that, like an AA, he is an egomaniac with low self-esteem. And he could never go to an AA meeting because he would dominate the conversation. <laughs> that's true. He, he would show up late and he would just say, so what's everyone talking about? And he would just start talking. And he wouldn't listen. And that's who he is. And that's who they've elected. And, you know, the other choice was horrible. Ooh, so, that's true. you know, people just said, OK, let's roll the dice on this guy. He can't be as bad as he seems. And he is. Brooke in the chat room says, I want my president on Coke. I want mine on Pepsi. Hmm, Pepsi, Coke. Uh, both are the same thing. I don't know. Michael Jackson liked Pepsi. And not his hair. No, that's good. Yeah, he did did almost go up in flames like Richard Pryor. Oof, Richard Pryor, another guy that's... It doesn't seem to end well. Once you hit your 60s, you hit that that danger zone. If you've done a lot of hard living, by the time you hit your 60s, man, you're you're toast most of the time. That's true. How old are you, by the way? I'm 62. You're 62, but you're, you're good, though. You don't have any vices or anything like that. No, and I go to the gym six days a week. That's good, I take, man. I take vitamins. I eat That's salads. Good. How old are you? I am 30 years old. Oh, my gosh. My son is 34. He's 34. Yeah. Really? You're just a spring chicken. You sound mature. You sound you sound seasoned, which is good. I mean, you don't sound old. Well, I'm an old soul. That's true. Mature. Yeah, you're an old soul. I'm an old man. Like, no, I'm an old man. I'm old. I work with a bunch of millennials. I work as a uh, freight coordinator, logistics coordinator. The other day I was leaving work and my glass had a little bit of water left in it. And out of nowhere, I just sprayed the water at the woman next to me and I said, bless you, my child. (laughs) She started cracking up hysterically and I turned to the black guy behind me. I go, bless you, my son. I started blessing everyone. I said, it's a Catholic flashback. And then I walked out. The great thing about being my age is I'm only working part time. I don't care. And once you don't care, my goodness, life becomes so much more enjoyable. Office space is is so true. Once you stop caring, life becomes enjoyable. Right. Right you are. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you are keeping active, though, especially with the whole divorce. I, I know a lot of people out there, they take that the whole divorce thing the, the wrong way, and it leads them down the wrong path. That could have easily oh. happened to you. It almost did. I almost went back out and drank, but I didn't. I've been 12 years out of that relationship, and I have no desire to go back just too much. I'm tired. I like what Sam Kennison said. He said he's tired of giving away everything he owns every five years. By the way, are would you say your wife, ex-wife, would you say she is like Satan? No, not at all. She was like I used to be. I was a crazy drunk guy. And she liked crazy drunk guys. She wasn't a Satanist then. Oh, no, not at all. Well, she could have been at heart. No, no. She wasn't an evil. She wasn't an evil woman. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think she became a typical Kardashian type of person. 
near the end. A Kardashian type person. You know, yeah, it's funny. You know, wrapped up in right. materialism. Um, well, you know, it's funny you say that. Always greener. Uh, mm-hmm. I that's you know, you know, the typical American woman. Well, unfortunately, right. But the thing is, lots of uh, women out there are influenced by one Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Keeping up with the Kardashians, you know, I got to get I got to get a new husband. It's a disposable society. It really is. I feel terrible for millennial men. Uh, the, the women have become men. The men have become women. I've never seen so many feminized men in my life. And I've never seen so many women who I swear have a penis, but they don't. Oh, my goodness. You know, for a long time, a lot of people were saying that Michelle Obama was a man. I never bought into that. I don't it was believe the same that. Thing. Yeah, it's the same thing with Alex Jones, with uh, Sandy Hook. I never bought into that either. Every once in a while, a conspiracy theory comes down the road, and I'm just like, man, that's even crazy for me. Yeah, that's a little too much. It is a little bit too much. I think some people give other people too much credit for nefarious activities. One, in fact, people are just greedy, materialistic, self-centered. We're all like that. We really are. We are. We're disgusting. That reminds me. How do you feel about one Bernie Sanders? I like him. Uh, I saw the podcast again with Rogan, and then he had the heart attack last week. And his, oh, poor his guy. Daughter, and, and his daughter-in-law <laughs> just died. So, oh, you know, shit. Did she really? Some, yeah, he's going through some really hard times, but I like him. I, when he said Medic, Medicare for all, I was into it. I think of all the money that goes into the military industrial complex and Eisenhower's warning. Why not? It seems like the simplest solution. I never was a fan of Obamacare. I thought it just enriched the uh, pharmaceutical and, uh, and uh, medical complex, but why not? It's already set up. Uh, we spend so much money on bombs. What do we spend? Like 10 times more than all the other countries combined. It's too much sick- money. Way too much. And so I like Bernie Sanders. I really do. Maybe I'm becoming a liberal. Who knows? Who knows? But I don't know. If what do it's... you think? What do you think of him? I like him personally. I, I don't see anything too wrong with him. He might be a little too much for the American majority. The American oh, he'll never people. get elected. That's why I think he's a little too much uh, of he's too into his own sort of um, views. I, I don't I don't see him ever compromising with anyone. No, and plus he already had a heart attack, so people aren't going to vote for so him. So he's out. He's out. Yeah. Yeah, why would he even run? You only got a few years left. Enjoy your family. I would it's have to same, advise him to do the same. It's the same thing with Trump. You know, uh, Stern, you, you were talking about Howard Stern earlier. Right. He he had said that Donald Trump never wanted to be president. He just wanted to improve his brand. He thought it was a great promotion. Whenever I tell other people that are just completely right wing, they don't want to hear that shit at all. I think it's the truth. I think that's exactly what happened in the night of the election. He was shocked. Melania was shocked. Pence's wife was pissed off. I was shocked. I don't think, I don't think anybody was happy. I was shocked. I didn't, I didn't think he would win, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody was shocked. I don't think Trump expected to win. That's what Howard Stern says. And to be honest yeah. with you, I believe him. And I think he just is, he doesn't have the personality to govern. His ego is too fragile. And right now I do have a gif of one Bernie Sanders who's doing the whole hand motion. And uh, we, we do have Joe Biden right there looking at his hands and he's nodding his head up and down. Uh, what's your opinion on Joe Biden? I think Joe Biden's a career politician. Uh, ironically, I think Trump, there was some substance to that. I had I had said on my other talk show for years that uh Hunter Biden, it looked awful fishy that he was making all that money 
with that uh, Ukrainian natural gas company for just sitting on the board. Obviously, there's some sort of quid pro quo. But Trump, again, is not used to being in the government arena. And you can't say that kind of stuff. You can't call up another government and say, hey, check into this guy. I think he's corrupt. You can't do that. You can do it, but you can't admit you did it. And then he doubles down and tells China to do it. So, but yeah, I think, I think Biden's as dirty as all of them. I think they're all pretty greasy, my friend. They are. Of course they are. Clinton's, Biden. That's why Trump won the election. People said, we're sick of all this corruption. Let's go with this crazy guy, see what happens. Yeah, that's why we need that Marianne Williamson in there. She's pretty hot. I like her. She's nuts. I like crazy people. Me too. I, I like think crazy. We should really go towards, that's why I like Bernie Sanders. I think his State of the Union would be great. Be leaning over his desk, having another heart attack. You know, I still feel bad that we didn't get Ron Paul. Ron Paul is my favorite politician of all time because he's not. He's a pediatrician who just happens to be uh, or was a congressman. He has that charisma I always put over here on this program that I've never seen anyone else have. Not even his own son. Maybe yeah. one maybe one day the son will get that sort of charisma going in his life. Who knows? Well, that whole that whole deal with Rand Paul and his neighbor, his neighbor assaulting <laughs> him, that was like one of the most left field stories I've ever heard. Yeah, that was sad. Well, yeah, it was sad. But I always felt that Ron Paul spoke from his heart. I still do. He doesn't seem to have an agenda, and he makes sense. It just, but you know, you can't have somebody like that in office. Now, in terms of all the latest headline news concerning one Donald J. Trump. Do you think he will actually get past this like he was able to get past the whole uh, collusion sort of angle? I think he'll be impeached and I think he'll be reelected. Interesting. You really do think he's going to get impeached? Yeah. I have a hard time imagining that he's going to get impeached for some reason. I'm not sure why. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, the odds are in your favor because nothing has ever happened to him. But I think he's got to throw a few more people under the bus. Uh, I think next in line is Rudy Giuliani. They I, just got to throw him under the bus. I can't stand and, that man, to be honest. <laughs> they asked Trump the other day, uh, is he still your attorney? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I would say the great. same thing. I would say the same that thing. Great. That was a great answer. You know, Rudy Giuliani, another guy that I just, I can't stand him. I haven't been able uh, to stomach him. The, the, the former mayor of America, you know, after seeing him after and during 9-11, I've never liked him ever since then. Well, he's always struggled with his comb over. And ironically, his comb over collapsed the same day Building 7 collapsed, allegedly. Allegedly. I like that you're using that word. I know. A lot. Here. Well, Silverstein said we had to pull the building and people ignore that. You're you're really saving us here from a potential lawsuit if we ever have one. Oh, sure. I, I, allege, I allege everything. Perfect. I don't even know if we're doing a radio show. Allegedly, I'm talking. I, to I don't about. either. This this all could be just a figment of our, our imagination. It's a matrix. I might not I'm even be here. I'm allegedly talking to Michael. I, I don't know. Uh, it's a construct. I might be a robot. You could be AI. I could be something that Saudi Arabia made that Sophia chick. And you know what's interesting? Sophia is in the book Morningstar's Tale. That was one of Lucifer's no wives. Yeah, Sophia and Lilith. Lilith, oh, Lilith according yes. to Lucifer, was the first wife of uh, Adam. Lilith sounds like a hot woman, if you ask me personally. That's like it a is, name that is, goes to like a hot woman. I'm not sure if you feel that way, but I do. Well, it was a song uh, from Tool. He knows all about that stuff. Yeah, I'm not a big. I'm not a big Tool fan though. 
Really? I they got some were... songs. They got some songs. Yeah, you tap your toes to. I'm not a I'm not a Satanist or any of those things. By the way, you're a humanist. Is the the impression I'm getting? Maybe. What would you categorize yourself as? Well, if anything, I don't like to go by this, but for those at home, it's it's more you know convenient for them if I just say I'm an agnostic atheist. It means that you know I'm I'm in the middle. I'm having that whole eternal battle. So you're open. I'm open minded, right? That's good. But also good. another thing I have to say, I think it's it's the reason why I'm like this is because I've always talked to lots of professors that are skeptical. Matter of fact, I will be talking to Dr. Michael Shermer, another guy who I've been, you know, pretty close with. He's going to be that on next week. Sounds, that name sounds very familiar. He's he's a pretty much a regular on Joe Rogan's show. Okay. Whatever happened to uh, Jordan Peterson? Oh, no. Jordan Peterson. Another guy who I'm always fascinated with just by the mere fact that he's been able to sort of like captivate the hearts and minds of, of so many uh, troubled men. In my opinion, it's uh, lots of um, younger men, even older men who don't have like a father figure. He's like one of these guys that people flock to. I don't really get the whole, I don't get that because, you know, I grew up with a father and I feel bad for a lot of people that didn't, that, that didn't, that didn't have that sort of role model in their lives at all. I feel terrible about that. And uh, to a lot of people, Jordan Peterson, he's that sort of, that sort of guy. I don't know why, but he is. And a lot, well, that's, that's like his hardcore demographic. To me, he's an intellectual fight club. That Well, that's another good way of looking at it. I don't personally have an issue with uh, Jordan Peterson. If he helps some people out there, I think that's good. He allegedly. How many <laughs> times? How many times I said that? Um, I love he, it. Uh, it's, he's in rehab right now. Yeah, he's in rehab. That's crazy. Well, his wife was very ill and he was on some pain medication to deal with it and apparently got addicted to it. Mm, that can ha Yeah, that's how it goes. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, he entered rehab after the wife's cancer. I Correct. can believe it. I could I could see that happening. And you know, he's he was always someone who was like this fierce sort of uh character, this over the top character that sort of all knowing all someone that had all the answers for you. That's kind of the that's kind of how he was perceived, Lee. He was. And he would always play the part of devil's advocate and sought out those that opposed him. And I had thought about doing that with a book. Uh, for a while, I was uh, marketing to astrophysicists and those associated with NASA. I thought maybe getting into a good uh, heated conversation with a guy like uh, Tyson would be a good mm. thing. But um, I just can't seem to attract it like he can. He, he seems to always attract and be invited to uh, debate those who completely disagree with his worldview, which is good. It makes for good television. Well, he's, radio. you know, he's popular right now. That's the thing. Yeah. And he's he, he knows how to articulate the frustrations of the typical American and Canadian male. And again, it gets back to what I was saying like 20 minutes ago. Men have become women and women have become men. You're right. Men, men feel disenfranchised and they're mad because they don't have a father figure. And so many men are looking for that validation from an authority male figure, and they get that from Jordan Peterson. Exactly. That's why you see so many <clears throat> emotional men out there that are, at that age, you would think they're pretty mature, but they are completely bankrupt of being mature. 
They are very immature and very emotional, just like a woman would be. And that's not the nature of a man, in my opinion. Uh, Men are not supposed to be overly emotional. And the reason they're emotional, a lot of it comes back to my generation, the baby boomers, with this high divorce rate. So many millennials were raised by women and the man was nowhere to be seen. So they tend to take on more feminine characteristics because they never had that alpha male. And now that's disparaged. You know, they call it toxic masculinity, uh, masculinity. And it's not. Sometimes it is. But being an alpha male, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, There's parameters to everything. But being a man is looked down upon. It is frowned upon. And and so many men are millennials are looking for any kind of male figure they can look up to. Yeah. Isn't that sad, though? It's incredibly sad. I work with them at my job. I see that's these crazy, guys, man. And they're incredibly, they're lost. They're effeminate. They're terrified of women. I don't know that world. So, I mean, that that is so like frightening to me. That's so alien and bizarre to someone like myself, uh, because I thought that's kind of like, you know, common sense. But then again, I, I say this all the time on my show when I look back. Into my early years of development, I I clearly remember being in middle school and playing with the other kids. Some of the kids out there were kind of feminine, you could tell, and you could kind of feel and think that perhaps they grew up with all sisters because you couldn't really rough house with these kids and they were always a bit on the feminine side. More so now than ever. They have the traits of a woman. They do. Amazing. It's the world we live in. And, and, And so many men... I think, you know, getting back uh, to use the vernacular, I don't think anyone's getting laid anymore. <laughs> I, I I believe, especially with millennials, that the men are terrified of the women. And this Me Too movement hasn't helped. Now you don't know how to behave around a woman. And I don't know how to behave around a woman. This is interesting. About a month ago at the gym, this woman who was well, kind of within my age range came up to me and said, I heard you weren't dating. Whoa. And I said, yeah. How did she know? Uh, she talked to somebody else. Bum, so bum, she gets bum. on the treadmill next to me and for a half hour, lectures me on how to talk to a woman. And I'm thinking, lady, I've been married twice for like 30 years, and, and everything you're saying to me makes me nauseous. I don't want to date a woman. I like being alone. You're talking about a job. She kept on talking about what I need to do to please a woman, and I'm thinking – I wasn't able to do it for 30 years. I'm certainly not going to pick up the skill now. Why don't you leave me alone? Of course, I didn't say any of that, but I was nervous just being next to her. I can't imagine what it's like to be a millennial man being around some of these women who essentially have everything but a penis. Well, can you imagine being married to that woman next to you? Oh, my gosh. It wouldn't last very long. She was married three times. Oh, three times. So she made that many mistakes, right? She's married three times and she's living with a guy. How do you get married three times? She's telling me how to do a relationship. That's like Donald Trump giving a lecture on how to listen to women and be sensitive. It sounds like she was kind of throwing it at you there. Yeah, she was. I I don't know what her agenda was. She's trying to strain you out. Maybe she wanted (laughs) to see if I had anything left in the tank. I don't. I don't even have a tank. I'm like Tesla, man. I'm running on a battery. I'm oh, an AI. Oh, man. Well, what's going on there? I mean, be honest with me here. I mean, you're not knocking out of the park with anyone here. That's what you're telling me. And, you know, I worry about you, Lee. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's plenty of women out there for you. Oh, God. You're a good guy. I, I don't see oh, why, God. you know, I don't see why interview you can't. Was, interview interview no. was going so good. I'm 62. <laughs> 
for the last five years, I've been single. The last three years, my sex drive has cratered. I don't even think about oh, it most no. of the time. When I see a woman. You're a blue pill guy. When you see a woman. Oh, no, I don't even do that. Uh, when I see a woman, the first thing I think of is, can she cook? Can she make a pie? <laughs> and will she make me a pie? <sighs> and will she give me the pie and then go away? <laughs> you're You're a good guy. So far. You're a good man. Well, you, thank you, you definitely, fellow. you definitely are an alpha male. I do appreciate that here. Well, you're welcome. I'm, I embrace my alphaness. Very smart man indeed, Brooke. And, you know, that's from a woman there. And she's, well, thank you, she's Brooke. putting you over. I wouldn't mind going out with a woman, having coffee, having a conversation about flat earth. But where are the flat earth women? Michael, where are the flat earth women? Well, that, that girl in that documentary, she was pretty good looking, that redhead. Patricia Steer has but, left the flat earth movement because of all serious? the derision, all, all the terrible talk about her. She actually dropped her channel. Well, She's I gone. mean, it's her fault. I mean, if she wasn't wearing those, you know, provocative dresses. Oh, look at you. I know. I'm look Now I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate again here, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she's she's pretty hot for an older lady, redhead. I mean, I said That's this on the That's a wonderful line. compliment. Pretty hot for an older woman. You know, for someone who looks like they're dust, got to shine. That's true. I mean, she is, you know, on the old side. You know, <laughs> life hasn't been too kind to her, you know. Oh she's aged like milk a little bit. We got to be honest. Oh, my gosh. She's never going to be on this show now, but. Uh. For a carton with an expiration date that's expired, you're pretty tempting. I mean, you know, again, a redhead. We were talking about redheads on the show the last episode. And, right. you know, I said to find, you know, like a hot redhead. It's like a needle in a haystack. Oh, you know who's a real hot redhead? Who's that? Amy Adams. Amy Adams, right. You know, from Superman and that other movie with the aliens. I think she is hot. That is one And this hot is a redhead. Uh, she is a redhead. Amy Adams. Oh, wait. Yeah. Now I'm remembering. Yeah. I would come out of retirement for her. You would come out? Oh, okay. Yes, okay. I, would, I would get blue pills for her. Oh, snap. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're we're going heavy same. here. Yeah, yeah, that's a commitment. I'd call some guy, what do you want to play those again, <laughs> Mr. Austin? Sounds like someone's knocking it out at the park. <laughs> yeah, just give me the pills, Haji. There we go. Here in the chat room now is a photograph of Amy Adams, for those in the is chat room who don't know. And she does have oh, she does gosh. have red head, she red hair, and she looks very beautiful. And, of course, she is uh, has the blue eyes. Oh, yeah, she's got it. She is the whole package. Not a lot of not a lot of redheads that are that good looking though in Hollywood. No, you're right. Uh, she is one of the few. I wonder who else is a good looking redhead in Hollywood. As far as females go, yeah, like hot sort of women that are redheads. I don't really see too many. I mean, some people do like Emma Stone. You know, I I kind of I kind of think she's sort of hot sometimes, but then I I get like a look at her in certain angles, and she yeah. kind of has like a Down syndrome look. <laughs> nice. I'm thinking of Jessica from Roger Rabbit, but that's not a real person. <laughs> that's true. That's not a real person. Yeah, but she's hot. Well, yeah, if that was a real person, I would think she's pretty hot. Well, maybe they can reanimate her or animate her, I mean, with AI. There's another redhead that is actually really gorgeous. I'm, I'm forgetting her name now. And as soon as I said that, someone said Sophie Turner. You guys are I've freaks out there. I've heard of her, but I don't know what I don't. I can't recall what she looks like. Game of Thrones. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't watch TV. That little guy is intriguing. The the little midget guy. I don't think you can say midget. Oh, Hobbit. You got to say vertically challenged. Vertically challenged. Yeah, that's an interesting guy. 
he seems like someone that you could like hang out with. Yeah. Are, are you? They're good. To, they're very difficult to beat up. <laughs> are, are you in the chat room, by the way? Am I in the chat room? No, I'm not. I. Uh, oh, okay. I'm I thought just, you could actually yeah. see this. No, no, no. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm going to put up a photograph right now of one Sophie Turner. As all of you out there know her from the very popular TV show on HBO. You know what show I Game got Thrones. into when I went to visit my daughter in Austin is uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Okay. Have you seen that? I've just seen the trailer, to be honest with you. Some people I know do like it, but have not yeah. ventured into it yet. It's really good. If you get a chance, check it out. All right. All right. But now I feel like we've gone closer. Now I feel like, you know, you told me you're your type of woman. You're, you're definitely willing to go out with a redhead. There is something about redheads. There is uh, they seem comfortable in self. I think part of it is because they've had to overcome ridicule when they were young, because I think redheads, when they're young, kids are looked down upon. But as they grow and mature, they just, I don't know, there's something about a redheaded woman that's just very attractive. There's one redhead that I always thought was very, very gorgeous. And I've always thought this about her. And that is Christina Hendricks. I'm not sure if you are familiar with her. From Mad Men. Yes. Yes, I agree. Now, she is gorgeous. She is. And she is uh, kind of like an amusement park in that if you were to go out with her, and I know if I were, I would be intimidated. You would be intimidated. Yeah, she's just got, there's just a lot to, there's just, just a lot there. She is intimidating, but you have, she's one of those women that you have to sort of, you know, go in there without any fear. You would have to be a Don Draper. Did he ever get with her on Mad Men? I'm trying to recall. I'm not quite sure. I, you know, I've only I've only watched a few episodes of that show, to be honest with you. That is a very good example of a hot redhead. But again, there's just so much going on there. So many curves and uh, hidden valleys. She's a gorgeous woman. She is incredibly gorgeous. And then she did that commercial for that liquor. And I don't drink, but yeah. Apparently, she was the sexiest woman alive in 2010 on a poll by Esquire magazine. I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, actually, Hillary Clinton was a uh, sexiest woman of the year, too. Are you serious? That's a little unusual. Yeah. yeah it was with uh, Blind Digest. <laughs> I like that. Blind Digest. <laughs> yeah, they, they went out of business because uh, they forgot to print it in Braille. I like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, some people even liked Hillary when she was younger. They say she was hot. She didn't look bad. She really didn't. I mean, before, you know. For Bill? What was the, what was the deal during the 2016 election when she kept, it seemed like she kept falling down. And then there was this conspiracy theory that she passed and that there was a body double that took over. Do you remember that whole thing? By the way, I'm still distracted at looking at Christina Hendricks in the chat room. She is very distracting. I know. You could I have, an, I might you have a, an accident. I might need to take this photo off pretty soon here. Yeah, I would suggest that. The only thing with someone like her is what is she going to look like in 20 years? Oh, my I mean, she's God. Gonna, she's got to really hit the gym or she's got, you know, it's like Kim Kardashian. I no, mean, they're going to fall apart. Yeah, that butt is just going to get out of control. It's going to drag. It's not going to drag. It's going to expand. It's going to become really flat. It's going to become flat Earth. And and, and <laughs> her, her butt would be the vortex, where, the, where the, 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 uh, the title vortex that leads into Agartha and the Black Sun. Agartha, oh, 
Well, I would like to travel to her Agartha, if you know what I'm saying. And you'll be here all weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because right. Christina Hendricks, probably the hottest redhead I've seen in a while. I got to go Amy Adams. I, I like it. Uh, Amy sim- Adams. Okay. I got to go simple with Amy Adams because Hendricks, I would be very intimidated. With Amy Adams, I, I think I could handle You'd her. be more more at home, more, you know, calm in your I, I could see myself holding state. hands with her, going to the pie shop, sitting down, uh, talking about flat earth, and then her getting <laughs> up earth. and leaving. That's awesome. You can and see I would it. say, I would say, you know, I'll drop flat earth if you'd rather talk about the Nephilim. That's and so then funny. She would start running. And then I would really chase after her. And I go, I want to tell you about how the sun revolves around the flat earth. And then the police would come. and <laughs> That would make for a very delightful conversation <laughs> over at the Cheesecake Factory. I think it would be a lot uh, funnier than Between Two Ferns. <laughs> I, I think that would be more interesting. Okay, now I have a photograph here of one Hillary Clinton when she was in her prime years. She didn't look that bad. You know, I'm, I got to be honest. She isn't the most ugliest woman I've ever seen. I'll, I'll be nice here. The glasses really don't help. If Ooh, I remember correctly, she had Larry King-esque Oh, my glasses. God. Yeah, the, the glasses, I, I'm not into that right now. Some girls, you know, are pretty damn hot with the glasses. Don't get me wrong. But some women out there, the glasses ain't helping, sister. Well, the the glasses today are the hipster glasses, and they're designed oh, differently. Yeah. The Hillary the Hillary Clinton glasses were like that uh, Martin Short routine where you put on the fat suit, Jiminy Glick. They were kind of a Jiminy Glick type glasses. Not a good look. Now I have a photograph of Hillary when she was pretty young in the chat room, and she's rocking the short hair a little bit, little bit past the uh, lower neck there. Not exactly touching the shoulders yet, but you know she looks pretty good. Yeah, there was a time. I mean, there was a time when Bill and Hillary were hot for each other. I That's mean, fine. That happened. Uh, you know, I, the same thing with George Bush and um, eyes Barbara. wide, eyes wide shut in the chat room says tits are weird. They're an immature accessory and a functional necessity for breastfeeding. They're they're absolutely functional and necessary, but when it comes to having sex, they're just um, you can you cannot be mature as a man uh, at at any point of foreplay when dealing with breasts. I agree. You know, earlier in the chat room, uh, I saw the heathens in there. They were talking about uh, variations of breasts, and they were talking about the evolution of uh you know of of tits, how they evolved over time from like the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. And I agree, there's been some evolution going on. Would you agree? I agree it has everything to do with diet. Diet, diet. yes. If you look at videos like of Los Angeles uh, in New York from the 60s, everybody was thin. You hardly ever saw a fat guy or a fat (laughs) woman. That's true. And the women's breasts were thin. They were thin. Everything was thin. Now you got all these fat asses. And a (laughs) lot of it has to do primarily with this diet that we have, this Trump-esque diet of, you know, burgers and fries. And we're a bunch of fat asses. I mean, if you really go back in time, especially like in the 40s, like with Bogart and all of those actors, Jimmy, uh, Cary Grant, you hardly ever saw a fat guy outside of Orson Welles. You know, you're right. And they said a man's wealth back then, if he was fat, that means, you know, he, he was loaded. 
Yes, he ate well. By the way, I do have another image of one Hillary Clinton in the chat room right now, and she is very young and she's rocking the glasses. And again, she's not so bad looking. No, she really not too wasn't. Bad. And, you know, she's almost, isn't she like 70 now? She's like, yeah, man, she's she's about 70. Yeah. And uh, Trump is 73. If you if you go back like 20 years and you review interviews with Donald Trump, he was fairly articulate, well-spoken. And it's only in the last three years that I've really seen his uh, vocabulary torpedo. I think a lot of that has to do with age. I really do. I'm with you on that one. And there was another thing, another concerning issue that I did want to bring up to your attention. And I know you are a parent, correct, right? Yeah, I've got yeah, a couple of uh, You're a parent. You have you have a, a boy a and girl, girl right? Yeah. Okay. I actually have a grandson. Ah, okay. So you have kids and all that sort of thing. Well, I wanted to bring this up here. Megan Fox, she is allowing her four-year-old to wear these sort of outfits, non-gender binary outfits, as they call them. Would you allow your uh, child, when he was growing up, would you let him, would you ever let him or even consider him wearing a skirt? I'm Scottish, a kilt, yeah, but uh, like no. a miniskirt. I think when you're three years old, you don't know anything. Uh, I'll give you an example. My uh, grandson is three, and my daughter was called me last week, and she goes, uh, uh, she was talking about Jackson. That's his name. She said, uh, so Jackson came up to me the other day, and he said, uh, uh, Mom, I've got a little Woody in my pocket, and he reaches in his pocket and pulls out Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> And then he says to her, oh, and my friend, he also has a little Woody in his pocket. <laughs> and so that's where they're at. At three years of age, four years of age, five, they're not concerned with sexuality. No, not at all. They're concerned with playing dinosaurs, eating, taking a crap, and not having to go to bed ever and being forced until they're just exhausted. So this whole idea of sexuality, you know, being non-binary is incredibly damaging to children. And I know Charlize uh, Theron allegedly also is doing the same thing. Isn't that and, and weird just, though to see? It's detrimental to I'm the not, child. I don't understand why they would want to do that. And also there's different school districts now that uh, they want to have these sort of classes and they, that's what they do now. Lots of kids now, they, they go through these LGBTQ uh, classes uh, to, you know, normalize all these things. But the you have to say, the but they're so damn young. Why why would you even want to put that in their heads? I think the only possible exception is if you're a hermaphrodite, which is someone who has both, you know, like a vagina and a penis. It's Word. not fully developed. But other than that, if you've got a penis and balls, you're a kid. You're a boy. If you've got a vagina, you're a girl. Uh, very, very simple. You can you can self-identify yourself as a girl if you've got uh, a penis, but you're still a boy. So deal with it. Biologically, you're still a man. Yeah, you're you're always in in the same thing with Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner isn't a woman. He's a he's a guy. You can you know you can cut off your penis and carve it into a vagina all you want, but you still you know you still your chromosomes don't lie. Uh, you can you know just because you feel like you're a woman doesn't mean you're a woman. Uh, yes, it's biological. It's a very yeah. interesting time that we live in where all sorts of these things are, are going on, these sort of debates with transgender sports and all of that issue. Lots of uh, lots of women getting hurt 
uh, in well, a lot so of these ridiculous. cases. When, when a transgender <laughs> wow. uh, woman, you know, someone who is a guy becomes a woman and then c- competes in a female sport and kills and wipes the floor with everybody is crazy. Isn't that unfair it's, for the woman? Of, c- of course it is. I mean, th- logically, you would think that's completely unfair. Well, you know, there's a real interesting scripture in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. It talks about the Antichrist not having an affection for women. And and the way I read that is that he's going to be asexual and and non-binary. In other words, he's not going to be attracted to men or women. That's just a a really weird out of left field scripture. But it says he'll have no affection for women. So, I mean, does that mean he's gay or I I, – Kind of read that as he's not going to have any affection for anyone. He's and that's like, almost the that's the direction we're moving in with this non-binary stuff. I see so many kids today that you know, again, the boys have become girls and girls have become boys. It's just so hard. And then when you see an alpha male, when I when I'm at work and I actually speak my mind, I feel like a caveman. I literally feel like I'm dragging my knuckles the way they look at me. You better be careful. Thinking, what, I, what I'm saying was perfectly acceptable 10 years ago, and now I'm some sort of monster. That's right. You work with a lot of younger <clears throat> folks, right? I am by far the oldest person in the company. The entire floor is filled with millennials. Out of the 16 that are on the floor, I'm probably the oldest. The only guy is, yeah, the only guy who's even close might be 15 years younger than me. Damn. But everyone's young enough to be my kid. So what are the conversations like in the office or around you when when this is going on? Usually comical. Uh, They are shocked when they hear me uh, say almost anything. Uh, They're just not used to someone speaking their mind freely. They live in fear because most of them have no money. They're making car payments. They're having to live with their parents. Uh, economically, they're depressed. Socially, they don't date that much unless they have children, you know, and they're already married. But I, I see a lot of fear, a lot of uh, unknowing, not sure of who they are. It's sad. It really is. And I just try to lighten the mood. I don't try to bully or anything. But when I speak, they listen because they're just not used to that kind of conversation where someone is honest and speaking from the heart. And sometimes it's just politically incorrect and I don't care. As you were saying these things in the chat room, Vic something said, why does he have such a problem with millennials? LOL. Oh, I have none. I love him. I was going to say, I don't think he has a problem. Yeah, the book, the book Morningstar's Tale was written for them. This book is not written for people my age. I, if you'll notice, I work with all millennials. I enjoy being around younger people. I don't like being around people my age. They act old. Low I energy, right? I enjoy being around younger people, and I always have. My uh, ex-wife is 10 years younger than me to the day. I've always dated younger women. I've always hung around with younger people. The I, satanic, I hard time. The yeah, satanic hard time. ex-wife. The what? The satanic ex-wife. No, she's not. She's not. I know, like but many. I, I know, but I many people. A great conversation. Sure. Thirty-two years older than you. <laughs> sure, but I mean, people that are married. That's you know, that's what they would say. The the, the satanic wife. At, during the <laughs> divorce, I probably that thought occurred to me. You you thought she was like a succubus, right? Well, I was thinking, how the hell can you do this after twenty years? And then, with a little time and perspective, I realized. What she did make perfect sense. She married a crazy alcoholic who eventually became a sane 
non-drinker and she wanted the crazy guy back and he wasn't coming back. So I understood why she left yeah. and she ended up marrying a crazy guy. Crazy and they man. Ended up, and they ended up divorcing. So, you know, there you go. You know, I'll be honest with you right now and I'll be honest with all of you out there right now. You know, I, I have an uncle that I grew up with who in most cases is like a brother to me, closer to closer to me than anyone else. And he is an alcoholic. And right now he's basically on his deathbed. And it definitely is hard to see that, especially to, to know all the nights that he had uh, drinking uh, repeatedly. It's a terrible thing. How old is he? He is about, I would say, 37 maybe. And his liver's gone. He's he's done. It's crazy to see that. It is crazy. And you said you're 30 and he's your uncle. So he was your father's younger brother. Mother. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. And I, didn't, I didn't quit till I was 36. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just like, you know, I'm taken back, bud. I always had a hard time with the disease aspect of alcoholism. You know, they talk about it in AA. Right. Uh, I, I look at it as more of an addiction. Uh, but where it ends up, like with your uncle, it becomes mm -hmm. a disease, you know, liver, uh, cancer, uh, kidney shutting down, that type of disease, physiological. What's crazy uh, is to see him chug a beer slightly while he's basically dying and fading away right in front of your eyes. I saw a guy the other day at Walmart, the liquor store, part of Walmart, and he had an ankle bracelet on and he was getting on his bicycle with his alcohol. And I thought if that guy put as much effort into drinking, into not drinking as he does drinking, uh, it's insanity. And, you know, and it talks about it in the program. Some people pursue it to the gates of hell is what they call it. That's what's so crazy. Like I can't wrap my mind uh, about that sort of thing, how uh, you could fall off so hard and still continue that sort of path, even when things are pretty much over. When your body's shutting down. Right. And you're still in the midst of your addiction. That's when it becomes sad, frightening, depressing. It's sad because there were so many enablers. All the um, friends that he had, he had a lot of friends who basically enabled the, the drinking and where are they? None of those individuals ever came and saw him in the hospital. All the many times that he was um, taken there. In the program, they say you only got to change one thing, everything. And, and that includes your quote unquote friends because they're really not your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. What a wild and life. So, and, they, and they also, you know, they call it a lonely disease. Uh, I agree with the lonely part because most people just die quietly on their own. They isolate and they just drink themselves into oblivion. That's true. It's it's frightening. And and you know, the uh the failure rate they say, and, and I can't prove this, but you know, I've heard and from what I've seen, the failure rate is eighty five percent. So of every hundred people that go in the doors of AA, eighty five percent fail. And I believe that's because they won't face the hard truth that First of all, they're powerless over alcohol. Their life has become unmanageable. They don't want to turn their will and their life over to God as they understand them. And they're not willing to make amends to people. They hang on to their resentments. And the, and the number one reason why people go out and drink again, they say, is resentment. But I also believe it's codependency. When you get so far with your head up someone else's butt right. that you don't have your own emotions, that you only feel what they feel. 
uh, it's very hard to get sober. And I found that out with 14 years of sobriety. Uh, when she left, I wanted to drink and I didn't understand why. I was 14 years sober and this really old guy in the program, like with over 30 years, said, he said, you're codependent. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, you're addicted to her emotions. Ooh. And I go, and I go, what does that mean? And he goes, go to Al-Anon. So I went to Al-Anon for like half a year. I read the book Codependent No More. And I learned that I was addicted to her emotions. In other words, when I woke up in the morning, I didn't know how I felt until I asked her. If she was happy, I was happy. If she was sad, I was sad. That's what codependency is. It's when you're addicted to someone else's emotions. And in many ways, it's more deadly than resentment because you don't see it coming and you don't know when you have it. There's no telltale signs like alcoholism. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure glad I should say that you are not going through any of these things in your life. You don't have these sort of uh, addictions anymore. No. And part of the reason I'm not in a relationship is, again, I get back to the premise that I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, and I don't want to put in the effort to have another relationship. And honestly, I probably never should have been married, but I did. And I had you know two great kids as a result of it. Right. But in hindsight, I probably never should have been married because I was always susceptible to codependency because I was and can be an egomaniac with low self-esteem. By the way, Lee, I hope you don't get offended with me asking you this, but at any time when you had your kids that you have today, did you ever have any regrets about having those kids? I never had any regrets. Uh, with my first wife, uh, we divorced when he was like one, and so I had to uh, play weekend dad 15 years. And then I got custody of him when he was 16. That's so good. going through that whole child support thing was terrible. Uh, yeah. But I never regretted having either of the kids. I regretted getting married, but not the kids. Not the, the kids. kids. Right. Yeah, the kids always turned out to be a blessing. Well, that's good. I'm glad that happened for you in the end and you didn't, you know, fall into any other sort of vices. No, but I did, in sobriety, get addicted to everything. Um, after uh, my divorce at 50, you know, after being married for 20 years, uh, I became uh, a sex addict for probably two years. I was a fornicating machine. Whoa, after wait the a divorce. minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't tell me about this. Yeah. What are you describing here? Were you hitting the bars? What was going on? No, I wasn't hitting the bars. I was uh, filling the hole. And I don't mean physically, but I mean, <laughs> I was filling the void, uh, you know, and I was a Christian the whole time, backslidden. Were, were you, were you meeting these, were, were you meeting I, these women at church? What was going on here? I wasn't meeting them <laughs> at church. I wasn't even going to church. I was just angry, lonely, tired, and I wasn't drinking, but I certainly wasn't every other addiction. I, w I hadn't smoked a cigarette in 14 years. Uh, after she left, I was up to a pack within three days. That's how addictive my personality is. And I not only got addicted to cigarettes, I got addicted to gum. I would chew a pack at a time. I got addicted to sunflower seeds. And once I started doing the radio again, I got addicted to sex. Nice. And then I got into gambling. I did everything wrong. I've done everything wrong that you can imagine. But somewhere along the line, God in his grace. You came back. Yes. I, I came back. I came back. I'm the prodigal son. It is very hard for me. 
impossible for me to lecture anybody and look down on anybody and say, you need to do this and you need to do that because I look at all the mistakes I've made in my life and how long I've been backslidden. And, you know, I, I can't pass judgment. That's I life, though. You know, you, yeah, that's the whole trials and tribulations one will basically endure in life, really. It's like Johnny Cash. I think the reason so many people love Johnny Cash is that he admitted all his foibles. He admitted all of his sins. He said, look, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, but I'm for the downtrod. You know, it was one of the reasons when I did the radio show, I called it Outcast Radio because I was outcast from the church. Uh, I was outcast from the world. Yet there was this small remnant of weirdos who got me. And enjoyed the show. And that was one of the reasons I loved living in Austin so much and kind of wish I was still there is that it's a place that embraces weirdos. You know, keep Austin weird ah, yes. uh, is filled with outcasts. And I've always felt comfortable being around people with the tattoos and the earrings and just people who didn't feel like they belonged in the world, who felt like an outcast. Those have always been the people I gravitate towards. Interesting. Very interesting. And of course, I was telling you off air that I might have a chance of putting this show that everyone's currently listening to right now that we're on, Lee, that it might be perhaps something that might happen over in the Hudson Valley, that region of New York. Yeah, I wish you the best. Uh, it sounds like it's almost uh, a done deal. Yes and no. I I'm just not quite sure. I'm going to send you some more information off air. And I definitely want you to give me your thoughts and opinions on this sort of move and if this would be some sort of a tangible uh, circumstance, really. I think if you keep it the way you've been doing it with the long form format. That's what they're claiming that they are. I, you know, I told them I'm a bit of a bad boy and that I walk a tight rope and they actually enjoyed that. They said they didn't want to alter anything. I've mentioned it a couple times during your podcast, but one of the reasons I think Joe Rogan's podcast is so successful, not only because he gets the eight guests, you know, like Bernie Sanders and uh, Bob Lazar, right. and those type of people, but I think the way that he conducts himself is very similar to the way you conduct yourself on your show. You're open to other opinions. You're not judgmental. And you let the guests express themselves. And that's unheard of on terrestrial radio. So if you can take this format and convert it to terrestrial regular radio, I think it'll do really well. So I wouldn't change anything because obviously you got to the point you're at getting close to this deal based on what you've done in the past. So I wouldn't tweak it at all. We'll see what happens. It's a, it's a very, um, very sexy thought, to be honest with you. I've always wanted to sort of have my voice out there in the New York region where lots of um, people do tend to listen to radio still. I did a lot of radio uh, in that area. I worked uh, PLR Haven. I did talk radio in Springfield, Mass, uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. I worked uh, in Danbury, Connecticut for about two and a half years. You're only, you know, I mean, I was only 60 miles from New York City. Uh, one of the women that I work with used to go down to New York on a regular basis and do voiceover work. She would get a um, thousand bucks for two commercials. Nice. So, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's an avenue you can go down to because if you're in the Hudson Valley, you're going to get noticed in the New York metro area because that area uh, expands you know, pretty much you're in that Northeast corridor anywhere from Boston to uh, Washington. It sounds like you're on board, man. Oh, yeah, I'm totally on board. Sounds like you yeah. definitely want me to test the waters. I do. 
I do. I think you're ready. I mean, obviously. And if you prove to be a success, which I know you will, uh, then you've got other affiliates coming on. And all you really need is one major affiliate and you're good to go. And, and you don't really have to be broadcasting from that affiliate. I mean, as long as they're carrying your show. That's exactly what would happen. It'd be aired on Sunday nights. It, it would be a replay. I know that. But the guy did say that all is good. He likes that. I'm a little bit offensive and, you know, walk the tightrope. Uh, I, I, I can't be cussing up a storm or anything. But then again, I don't really curse too much in my actual life or on the show. Yeah, as long as you stay away from the, you know, the seven words George Carlin talked about, you're uh, good yes. to go. And I, you know, in my past, I was offered, I think, at least two or three jobs unsolicited. If you can get into that market, you'll find that your next job, you're not marketing, they're coming to you. Mm. Because you're just in that sweet spot. <clears throat> that is the media capital of the world. I mean, you know, you're only so many miles away from New York City and you're looking at 25 metro, 30 million people. Very, very interesting. Yeah. By the way, Robin Wills in the chat room says, oh, what are those seven words? I don't want to stay away. Uh, the seven words are Illuminati, Flat Earth, Hollow Moon, and Jessica Simpson. Not Jessica Simpson. Yeah, I don't know how that got to the list, but it is. It's hmm. on there. And she's not a redhead. She's a blonde, but she's she lost blonde. 100 pounds. You know, I did see a photograph of her recently, and she is looking much better than she did, you know, a couple of years back. I once lost 150 pounds in one day. Uh, how on earth did you do that? Uh, when the divorce was final. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> once again, I'll be here all weekend. Uh, <laughs> I, I do like that. That was good. Very good. I'm actually looking at a photograph of her now of when she was pregnant. She's like Oprah. And, she uh, goes up, she's big. she goes down, she goes up, she goes down. Uh, would you Would you come out of retirement for one Jessica Simpson? No. You'd Amy Adams. You'd stay away from Jessica Simpson. Yeah, Amy Adams, that's it. Yeah, that's the only one I would... I just think she's fascinated. I don't know. There's something about her. Now but I not have just, a, Not Jessica Simpson. No. Now I have a pregnant Jessica Simpson now on in the uh, chat room. Yeah, she is a, a big pregnant woman. How does she fit in the room? That's right. That's a big woman. But you know what? She's actually still a pretty good looking woman, even though she's like a BBC, as they say. BBC. B well, BBW rather, not BBC. I'm looking at uh, something else here. My goodness. What's a BBW? A big, beautiful woman. Oh, <laughs> I was looking at a BBC News, not oh, not something else. You dirty people! Oh, come on now! Oh yes, but oh my god! Go, if you're, you're going to go on terrestrial radio, you must discipline yourself. I, yeah, I might have to discipline myself for sure. Uh, but now I'm looking at another photo of Jessica Simpson here when she, well, she looks um, looks a little bit like Jabba the Hut. She got big. Uh, she really, you know, like I said, she's very similar to Oprah. She yeah. got huge in this photograph. That other chick, Whoa. Kelly, what's that one from American Idol? Kelly, um, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, she got big and then she got kind of small. She didn't go really small, but she got kind of small. What is it with these women that they infatuate in their weight? They go skinny, they go big, and then they get some sort of surgery on their face. I, I think it's all the whole Kim Kardashian type influence from the friends. It is sad. I mean, you don't often see men getting face work. You uh, really don't. Let's see. Uh, not Liberace. Who's the other guy? Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. No, that's not. That's not a good look. <laughs> Wayne Newton. That's, that's funny. Good, no, that's not a good look. 
And uh, Siegfried and Roy, uh, they looked bad before the kid. He bit his head anyway. Uh, I don't know if it was Siegfried or Roy that got attacked, but that's not a good look. Men don't look good. Kenny Rogers, another example. Mickey Rourke oh. is another extreme example. What happened? I mean, how, how many guys do you know? Name one celebrity who looks good after having facial work. Male. Yeah, look, Mickey Rourke, you know, he was a pretty, you know, I guess you could say he was like a handsome guy before he did all the alterations. I, you know, Popa Greenwich Village, he was a stud. Nine and a half weeks, he was a stud. And then somewhere along the line, he went off the rail. By the way, I got a photograph of um, Kelly Clarkson now in the um, chat room. And yeah, that's a big woman there. She's a big girl. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting to see these celebrities who have everything so obtainable um, within reach. But she chose well, to reach for... Well, she chose to reach for a donut instead of reaching yeah. for a treadmill. <laughs> it's vanity. I mean, we're all susceptible to it. Dolly Parton There's another great example of, you know, Jane Fonda is 80. Jane Fonda, you know, she's had some work done. Uh, oh, God. I think of uh, e evangelicals, Joyce Meyer, you know, she that's not a good look. Wait a minute. Uh, wait a happening. minute. I'm looking no. at a photo of uh, Mickey Rourke right now. And wow. Not good. Good no. Lord. Do you remember the movie with Mickey Rourke, The Wrestler? That was the first movie, I think, where he premiered that face. I like that movie, though. <clears throat> I got to be honest. I thought he did a good job. Hell of an actor. He was also good in that uh, Sin City. Remember ah, that that's one? right. Sin City. Sort of that, uh, that hybrid uh, animated <clears throat> real person movie. And right now in the chat room, I am displaying a photograph in a moment here. Of one Mickey Rourke, and I got to tell you, I'm looking at this man's hair. Obviously, he had the whole transplant thing going on. He looks kind of like Michael Myers wearing the mask. Wow. It's really sad. You could see the, the fake hair, the, the extensions. I don't know. I, even Brooke in the chat room is going crazy. I just don't ever want to get to that point. I The, the extent of my vanity <laughs> is I shave my head. And I dye oh my, my goatee, and occasionally I wear an earring, so I look like Mr. Clean. But that's about as far as I go. I mean, other than that, I go to the gym. But Mickey Rourke is wearing a goddamn—he's wearing a William Shatner mask, like Michael Myers is wearing. It look his face looks exactly like that. I'm not even joking. At what point do you go off the rail? Wow. And then you think, okay, I got to go back for more work. <laughs> I mean, there, there was a point where it oh, wasn't working bad. and you went back again. Wow. Th that's mental illness. Now, Howard Stern, I think he's had some face work. Oh, Howard Stern. That's another one that I think he might have had uh, some work. The dimple, you know, the, the chin. It looks like he had some work, but not a lot. I mean, let me now, pull up a did, Howard Stern photo. He does, look, he does look good for that if he did have the work. I would say he had a little work, but not a lot. I do respect Howard a lot, though. I will I will say that. He fought the FCC, goddammit. Well, he's very successful. Got to give him that. And he got on with terrestrial radio just when it was taken off. And, you know, WABC in New York, which is the premier talk station on AM, and the number one market in the country was sold for $12 million uh, about four months ago, which is nothing. Yeah, that's no nothing. So what's happening with radio stations around they haven't the country, made a They have not made a single profit. It's not the medium. Again, get back to Joe Rogan. What does he do? He does a podcast, podcast on yeah. YouTube. Nobody. Who, who do you know under the age of 40? That listens to AM radio. No one in my life. 
No one. I don't know anyone who listens to radio my age except myself. But that's because I have to every now and, and then. And and if this show becomes available, and I know it will, it'll be a podcast. It'll be uploaded on YouTube or before it's news. Or People will go online and digitally check it out. Right. No one's going to tune into a radio station per se and pick up this show. And that's not how people do it. Uh, even the guy I work for, he's in his 30s. He says when he, he doesn't listen to the radio, he just picks up his phone and finds a podcast he likes and listens to it on his way to work. That's a majority of uh, people that age. Right. Right. And that's where radio is. Radio is dead. I think Clear so. Channel, uh, which is iHeart, I think it was trading under $2 a share. Cumulus just reorganized out of bankruptcy. You know, it's in the toilet. Radio is dead. Because the new generation doesn't listen to the radio. It's not a question of the product sucking, which it does anyway. But, you know, why listen to commercials when you can just listen to your phone? True. Hopefully that goes away. Those people that are in charge of, of radio right now, those older gentlemen who are still alive that are uh, decaying, that are holding back the magic that could be in radio. That's what there's I, great. There's great programming. I think there's potential, there's, but there's there's amazing content. Right. And 90 percent of us never gets to the radio. When you hear an interview, it's like three or four minutes and then there's a bunch of commercials. It's the monopoly of greed as well. Well, it's a monopoly of iHeartRadio. Of course. But um, all these songs, you know, they're they're under heavy rotation because of the cash the label spends on them. I've been in radio off and on pretty much for 30 years. And I remember when the uh, Telecommunications Act was passed under the Clinton administration in 96. That allowed one company to own five radio stations in one market. And that killed it. That killed radio. All of a sudden, uh, Clear Channel, which is now iHeart, uh, was voice tracking all of their music channels. And when you drive cross country, you'd hear a sunny radio station in every market playing the same crap. And that's where it's at. You have uh, iHeart, Cumulus, and it's all voice track. And what talk radio they have, Rush is on 600 stations, Hannity's on 600 stations, Savage and, you know, a couple of other right-wing clowns, and that's it. And it's so boring. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible. damn boring. You'll hit the, I can hit the AM scan at uh, 12 noon and rushes on every channel except one, Ugh, which, is, which is, which, which is ESPN. <laughs> so it's either Rush or ESPN. That's AM radio. That's depressing. It is depressing. And that's why this generation doesn't listen to it. Why would I, as a millennial, tune into AM radio and listen to some blowhard talk about uh, right-wing politics, whether it's right-wing or left-wing, it's irrelevant. Uh, when I can listen to a podcast with someone who's more of a contemporary, like a Joe Rogan, uh, and, and not have to put up with all the commercials and all the uh, political diatribes that just is boring. Yeah, now you know why. Yeah, now you know why car manufacturers are putting in the whole internet sort of radio so you could get past all that and listen to what you want to. And the broadcasting lobby has been trying to prevent that since day one. The only thing that's keeping terrestrial radio alive is not having uh, internet satellite type radio in cars. And once that becomes predominant, they're done. AM is already dead. FM is on its way out. Uh, the future is in your phone. I truly believe so. That is where we are headed. And Lee, I have to say, we are running out of time here. And just how fast this went by, I'm completely, I'm completely shocked. Yeah, we've been going about two hours and 45 minutes. 
Where did the time go? Time flies when you're having fun, my friend. That's what I'm wondering. And of course, I have to say, in closing, Satan, is he really such a bad guy? That, that's all I want to say to you, Lee. Do, do you really think he's that bad? Or do you think he kind of got a bad rap? I think he became bad. I think so there 50-50. was a period. I think there was a period of time. You know what? Here's my analogy. In the beginning, Lucifer was Walter White. <laughs> and in the end, he became Breaking Bad. Uh, the gentleman who created Breaking Bad, what is his name? I'm, I, I have to look it up, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, when I made Breaking Bad, uh, Gilligan. Gilligan, Gilligan. Right, right. Right. He said, when I made Breaking Bad, what I decided to do was take a man and take him from being Mr. Chips to Scarface. Mm. And that's what I think happened with Lucifer. In the beginning, he was Walter White. And in the end, he became Heisenberg. I like that analogy, analogy there. Yeah. And consider God, great architect, the ancient of days. He is the uh, <clears throat> he is me. the one who built the chemistry department. I was going to cough right now. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, that would the great architect is the one who built the chemistry department for Walter White. I like that perspective. That's how I would look at it. Pretty interesting. And, and speaking of which, are you a Breaking Bad fan? Huge. Huge fan. Okay. Did you like Skylar White? His wife? Right. Yeah. I what do you think about that? In the same league with Amy Adams. I like her. She's kind of in between Amy Adams and that chick from Mad Men you talked about. And what about her character on the show, though? Did you like the character? I did. You didn't? Yes and no. There was times where I didn't really like her. I thought she was kind of annoying. Then there were times where I was like, you know, she's just trying to do the right thing here. Well, she was being a wife, and, and wives can be annoying. Right. Uh, there's a part of Breaking Bad where some people in the flat earth community think they, they gave a secret signal that the earth is flat. There's a scene between Skylar and Walter White where he was, uh, uh, sedated and he had an, he had an extra cell phone and he lied to Skylar and she said, I, I think you lied to me. And then you finally told me the truth. And he said, Skylar, I was sedated. I could have told you that the earth was flat. And and some people in the flat earth community take that as a nod that the earth is flat, which I don't. That's part of the problem, too, like with flat earth and all of these conspiracies is that you just get a lot of real wackos in the mix, too. So I I get that, too. I understand why some people are dead against, you know, flat earth for that reason. But do your own research. Figure it out for yourself. You know, it's up to you. And before I let you go, I, I do have to add, out of all the conspiracy theories out there that you have come across, which one would you say? you are well aside from the flat earth which one are you all in on uh there's two the moon landing uh i think was fake and uh i think that was a kubrick production and uh jfk obviously uh you know i went to daily plaza in 2010 and there's no way which one are you all in on that's a tough one it's a tough one because i'm usually on the fence with a lot of these well, where are you at with the moon landing? Again, it because it, the fact that I, I talk to a lot of skeptics, and I think that's kind of, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of the issue with me. I just talk to too many people that are skeptical and that make, you know, they've made a career out of it. Yeah. That's kind of the I only way it. I could really I sum it up for you. Uh, just that simple fact. And of course, I, I do try to, I do try to tend, be, tend to believe things that uh, have evidence to them that you could prove right there and then. The burden of proof is what I'm yeah. saying. 
what I look for, and it's it's so cliche, is the money. And I follow, you know, follow, follow the, the money. money. It seems to lead. For example, right. with JFK, if you realize that he had switched to the silver dollar, was moving away from the Federal Reserve, and didn't want to take us to Vietnam, just those two factors alone would give enough people reason to eliminate him based on the fact that they would lose out on some money. So, you know, as soon as he was gone, uh, LBJ sent us to Vietnam and all of a sudden that silver dollar not backed by the Fed disappeared. So, you know, those two factors alone, following the money seems to lead to a lot of truth. Amen on that. See, I said amen. I think I've converted you. I might. I might just be a, a new uh, a new earth creationist. Before you know it, you'll be uh, <laughs> taking a little cup of water and blessing people. I know, right? Ed? Speaking of which, I, I, do you sort of go with that sort of notion of the young earth creationist who sort of go with the notion that man walked with dinosaur? I'm working my way through dinosaurs because my grandson's obsessed with them. And I'm almost beginning to come up with a new belief, which is that dinosaurs tie into the whole Nephilim story that – are you familiar with what chimeras are? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm beginning to believe and, – and again, this is like hollow earth. I'm not there yet. But I'm beginning to investigate and believe that perhaps dinosaurs are – they existed, but they might be a form of chimeras. Ah, that perished during the flood. Interesting. And that they were around during the days of Adam and Eve and the days of Noah. You know, I'm going to have to bring you back just to discuss that. Yeah, because it seems like the, the evidence leans towards it. And when you, when you factor in the fact that I believe the Smithsonian uh, Society is covering up a lot of these findings with the Nephilim and the dinosaur bones, because it seems like all of these fossils they're saying, yeah, this used to be a seabed. Well, that lines up with the flood because the whole earth was a seabed after the flood. So food for thought. Right. Well, Lee, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program. It's been uh, amazing to be honest with you. Did you have fun? Oh, I had a great time. Uh, it's not often that I get to talk to somebody who uh, keeps me on my toes like that. Wasn't that fun? The, the whole conversation uh, with God and Jesus and everything else with the celebrities. I mean, where else can you talk about that? We hit uh, Flat Earth, Nephilim, Amy Adams, uh, <laughs> what breasts look like, and right. uh, would you get some Viagra? Yeah, I think we hit it all. I think that's about a 10 in my book. That's well, a 10 in my book, We too. killed everything. We knocked it out of the park, baby. I fully agree. And this will be heard from a lot of people. You better count your bottom dollar, especially those in the UK. Say hi to the UK listeners out there since we are on a network that's exclusively in the UK, my friend. Wow. Hello, UK. My grandmother was born in Liverpool. There you go. They'll love that since last time they were complaining about the show, saying that it was very offensive because it was a little bit misogynistic. That's what some of the little ladies were saying. But you have to understand, uh, women are, in fact, the most they're the ones who are misogynistic. They They hate other women. I don't. That is an interesting dynamic. You don't see men getting petty with men. You'll see men rattle men. For example, I was at the gym the other day and I'm uh, lifting the barbell, I'm resting. And this guy comes up to me and goes, are you through with that? That breaks every unwritten rule between men at the gym. Right. If a guy has a barbell and he's sitting next to it, of course he's not done. 
and I wanted to throttle the guy, <laughs> but I didn't. Whereas with a woman, they'll get petty with each other. That's right. Whereas a guy will just punch you in the face. At least alpha men will do that. So we, we settle things quickly. We don't draw it out like women do. Amen. Once again, Lee, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And I look forward to the next time we get to do this, my friend. I look forward to the next time. Michael, thank you so much. And best of luck. Uh, wish you the best for your uh, new position in the Hudson Valley. Ah, yes, my new adventure. And of course, go ahead and plug anything you'd like, my friend. Morning Stars Tale is the name of the book, uh, Morning Stars, T-A-L-E. Uh, you can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart.com, or you can just go to my website, MorningStarsTale.com. Fantastic. Once again, thank you so much, and I look forward to the next time we do this, my friend. Thank you for reaching out, Michael. Best of luck in the Hudson Valley. Thank you, sir. Mahalo. Take care. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Lee Austin. Wasn't that fun? I had a great time, and I hope all of you out there had a pretty damn good time, too. I had fun. I hope you had fun. I mean, I always have... A pretty good time anytime I, I get behind this microphone. And of course, as we take it home here tonight, I do want to thank Mr. Lee Austin and all of you out there as well for taking part of the program, those in the chat room. So good to see your little faces out there. I'd like to thank all of you and much respect to you out there that listen to the podcast rendition of this program. Big thank you to those on Deprogrammed Radio out of the UK. Love you guys out there. And of course, if you are a fan of this program and want to help fund the show, I want to remind you, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon, for $5, you can get extra bonus content. Lots of content coming at you exclusively from me oh it's worth it I promise lots of juicy stuff that's already been recorded and that will be released soon oh yes and of course those who just want to simply donate you can by going to michaeldeacon.com right hand side of your screen 